Maverick News presents The Rick Walker Show Defrag Your Mind Good evening, everyone. Welcome back, Maverick family and new viewers from all over the world. Great to have everyone back here tonight. Great show we have lined up for you. All kinds of stuff. We have armed gunmen, martial law declared in Ecuador. It looks like the government there may have successfully subdued some sort of an uprising. We'll tell you about that. David Menzies from Rebel News arrested. I'm sure that many of you saw that as well, simply for trying to ask the deputy prime minister some questions and then charged with assault after coming close to or maybe, maybe coming into some sort of physical contact with an officer, but who came into contact with whom? That's the question. And there are other questions about freedom of speech, freedom of media, freedom in general surrounding all of that. We have a lot of other stuff to share with you tonight as well. The situation in uh, the Middle East continues to escalate, even though Secretary of State Antony Blinken went there to meet with Israeli officials in an attempt to have them kind of scale back their operation in Gaza. But... Things there still very violent. Tonight, though, we have a couple of very special guests who will be joining us. Travis and Amir from Elevate Local. These guys are trying to make a difference and defend freedom, uh, preserve freedom, make sure that you still have freedom should the government uh, do kind of the same sort of things that they did during the lockdowns, which is to lock you down. We'll get into all of that and uh, how they maybe need your help or how maybe they can help you with a new e-commerce platform called Elevate Local. So don't go away. We'll have all that and a whole lot more when we come back right after this. Maverick News. Fighting for freedom. The New World Order. Government overreach. The Great Reset. Mainstream media lies. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com. Maverick News. The antivirus program. For your mind. Okay, ladies and gents, I'm back and joining us live now. The two founders of Elevate Local. Hello, gentlemen. How are you tonight? Fantastic. How are you doing, Rick? Excellent. I really very appreciate good, you guys. Thank, Excellent. Thanks for having us on. My my privilege. I'm very excited to speak with you guys because uh, you have something that I think might just be um, 
a path forward for people in a, in a constructive way, in a positive way, uh, a way to sort of help create or facilitate a almost like a parallel economy. Um, what's the name of, what is this thing? It's Elevate Local. What is it? Yeah, well, we're called Elevate Local. Uh, it is a, a platform meant to connect people across Canada. Our website's www.elevatelocal.ca. And we've been spending a lot of time working with a lot of people, working very hard with the with the core purpose of improving communities, uh, interconnecting, you know, people throughout Canada, and really bringing a local feel back to to Canada. Well, you know, globalization is going to happen. Uh, there's a lot of localization that needs to come to support local communities. So what we've built is an e-commerce platform that allows people to list their uh, list their companies, you know, sell goods and services. We're only catering to Canadian companies. I see. And we, we really want to help make an impact with Canadian families. And so people can list their goods and services. There's a lot to elevate local. We can talk about it a little more as we go tonight. But uh, one of the great things is it doesn't just help existing business owners. We've made it so there's almost a zero barrier um, to zero barrier entry level to getting educated on how to use the platform. So you could basically start a business uh, right away. It would take about four hours if you have a product or a service or a skill that you can offer and you could be up and running. Okay. And before we get into the, the real details of what this venture is all about, maybe we'll just backtrack a little bit and I'll get both of you to introduce yourselves and explain what your background is and maybe how you became involved in this. Feel free to go first, Amir. Ah, okay. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's a pleasure to meet your audience here, uh, Rick. Uh, my name is Amir. Uh, my background is uh, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, my, I guess my main background is in construction. I'm a, bro a broker in the construction space. So I facilitate trades for jobs, uh, strictly large commercial scale projects, whether it's uh, new development or existing restoration projects. Um, and I've been doing, you know, I've been in the construction space maybe 20 years now. Um, you know, when COVID started, um, you know, many like us knew something was wrong and uh, put my life on hold uh, along with others to try to figure out what to do here and, and how to approach uh, the circumstance at hand. Um, you know, I just, you know, I've got a little girl like everyone else who's got children I just couldn't look at her and think that, you know, dad was going to do nothing. So ultimately for me, it just came down to a very simple question. One day she's going to grow up and look back and ask, you know, what happened, dad? And I need to be able to know that I looked her in the eyes and said I did everything I could. So through various, uh, you know, volunteer and attempts, uh, I ended up on a path that connected with Travis and together amongst uh, a number of other people we worked together to kind of help um, with communities you know whatever it was whatever niche you had uh, the idea was to collaborate together and work together to solve a very big problem along the way um, you know we had many many conversations um, you know we realized that there's a lot of incredible groups and organizations out there fighting for their own little niche their own belief um, and everyone did an amazing job, um, you know, going at it. But if we're going to really make an impact moving forward, because this thing's going to continue and it's going to it's going to get tougher. You know, they 
they got a lot more data, a lot more information. They've seen our reaction. They see how we uh, how we stood up the first barrage. So they're going to be a lot more armed when they come at us again. So I think it's important that all of these niches and groups now band together. I think unity now is the key moving forward, and it's the only way we survive. So when we looked at that idea, we thought, well, okay, well, what does unity mean? Well, okay, let's take the you know SMBs, for example. Small and mid-sized businesses make up the economy in Canada. Um, and it's been decimated by design. You know, why did they pick gyms and restaurants? Well, because they make up a large majority of small and mid-sized businesses. So obviously none of this was by accident. It wasn't, you know, ignorance. They knew what they were doing. So, you know, we looked at, you know, the, the extra push in big box stores, you know, what they did for the Walmarts and the Costco's. Um, and how they were allowed to operate and continue a, a business as usual. I mean, I, I'm sure we can all talk all night about the lunacy and thinking you're safer in a Costco because you stood a few feet behind somebody and wore a mask as opposed to going in a mom and pop shop in, uh, in your local community that wasn't allowed to operate. So we thought, what can we do here to help band together small mid-sized businesses and the hopes of creating a movement here that starts to pull people away from big box stores and give them options to come back in and, and help feed their own communities, help feed the mom and pop shops. Um, so the idea here was to create a network that gave a, a choice that actually did something in giving back to the community and strengthening community. I see. And what about you, Travis? What's your background and how did you get started on this? Well, my background is, uh, you know, I, I, I had some training as a mechanic. I've done industrial uh, mechanics. I'm an electrical engineer by trade, professional engineer, actually. Uh, great with um, groups and teamwork and collaboration and strategy and building. And, uh, you know, if Without getting into it too much, about three or four years ago, I was left with the decision, much like Amir, um, I needed to, to show my kid what I believed he needed to be in the future. And so that was by being a living example and doing the right thing for my child. And more than that, I saw not just that I didn't agree with, you know, everything that was happening, but it's the thought that in our country, that's the right that we should have. We're allowed to have our different opinions. And so we're going down this path now where it may not be okay to have certain opinions, um, whether whether you're right or wrong. Uh, we don't have autonomy over over ourselves. And so what we've done is we've um, we started progressing through with some community building, working with communities, really heartfelt, engaging people, keeping them together actually, and then building a plan on, well, how do we really build a future and move forward in a future where we help people? How do we create an interconnected community that's self-supporting or able to support each other through various means, whether it's professional development, whether it's through contact for jobs, whether it's through contact for business, whether it's, you know, can we start up businesses? And much like it's been done in the past throughout history, when there's significant issues and societal changes, um, you'll see groups form and start supporting each other. And so that's what we've initialized and, and started doing. 
Um, and a big part of that, aside from a community program, which we have going, is the initial phase of what some of my friends call is a tool. A tool to get people together and start working together. And so we've built Elevate Local. It's going to help connect businesses. It's going to help small and medium businesses, all of them, mostly across Canada. Um, and we can we can leverage that and really help communities, but we can also help our own community start businesses, connect. We can figure out if people want to fund certain initiatives. So there's so much to, to where we've gone, where we are, and later where we're going. And well, today we're talking about Elevate Local. We want to look at more. We want to we want to do a staffing solutions platform because the door shouldn't be shut on anybody to get a job to feed their family. And we want to do an investment platform later where we can help people microfinance investments so they can start up businesses. So when you look at the whole project together, you can really see that we're going to build a system that will support communities and provide real change. Change where you vote with your dollar, change where you vote with your effort, not change that can be disregarded or silenced. And over time, hopefully our morals and values will will take place, will grow, and um, and will help sway society a little bit in the direction that we want to go. So this really has been a response to what was one of the biggest problems during the pandemic, which was that if you didn't comply with government mandates to get the thing in the arm or wear a mask or whatever, they were excluding you. You weren't allowed to participate in many parts of society or the economy. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll also let Amir uh, comment on that. But in no way do we want to go head on with the government. But yes, there was some serious problems that have shown us holes in the fabric of our society. And uh, and those are holes that we're addressing. And, and we've been extremely motivated to help. Yeah. And, and to uh, add further to that, you know, we're not looking to be political here. This isn't about clashing with the government at all. Um, this is, again, I use the word unity, all right? It is just a collaborative effort to help small and mid-sized businesses stay relevant in this country. Mm. And so, right, and so when you're saying that, what I see here is something that is really positive because you are not afraid of technology. A lot of the response that I've seen so far coming from people who were excluded during the the pandemic was that they don't they no longer trust um the internet they no longer trust uh the system they don't they want to they want to disengage and and kind of go back to a pre-digital era but my my message here has really been that's not really the way forward what we need is to ensure access to the system to use the technology in a, in a positive way for everyone and that means always having access to it but also ensuring that well while having access to the system you you have privacy that you have um you, your rights protected and and is that kind of where this is going as well a, a way forward to use technology to our advantage uh yeah. absolutely no go ahead, <laughs> go ahead no Mark. you go ahead you go ahead yeah so so you nailed it i mean they've They've used technology and I guess you would say a, a very manipulative way. Um, you know, 
originally mainstream media was where you got your source of propaganda. Uh, I think back in 2008, they did try a pandemic back then. I think it was the swine flu at the time, and, and it failed very quickly. I mean, most people didn't hear about it or know about it uh, because more people were engaged in other platforms. So they used social media this time, which is where most people go and get their information. Um, so just as they've used these platforms negatively, you know, we don't think unplugging from the system is the solution. I think the solution here is to take the platforms that they've set up and use it to our advantage and collectively get organized through social media platforms, through the Internet. We can spread faster. We get a farther reach. It's it's uh, easier to connect with people. I mean, the reason people were able to, to basically awake to all of what's happening was social media. This is where information was being spread. Um, and, uh, and so we need to use these tools. We have them. They're there. They're at our disposal. So uh, what they created in order to kind of keep us in the dark and keep us enslaved, we can use to empower humanity. Yeah, and, and my take on it is uh, is that, you know, globalization is going to happen. The world's growing. Populations are growing. We're going to intermingle. Governments are going to change. It's the same thing that's happened throughout the years, but it's not going to help us. It, it will in some cases if some people want to build some communities um, that are self-sustaining on their own. Yeah, that's great. That's what they want to do. That's how they want to live their lives. But for people who want to be involved in the mainstream world where we're involved in everyday society, we need to figure out how to get along and how to blend in uh, and how to work with what we have. So absolutely, with the platform, the plan will be over time to bring in cryptocurrencies, but more private, private ones where people can purchase privately and to preserve uh, to preserve preserve privacy and so we do need to use some technology if we don't use technology the alternative is that our status and our capabilities throughout society will be decreasing throughout time because we won't have as many finances and so our morals and views will become irrelevant so what we need to do in my opinion is to maintain and improve the conditions of our lives and for people with our morals and values Right. And so this platform that you have set up, Elevate Local, I'll just bring the website up on the screen and maybe you guys can explain just a little bit more in detail what this site is all about. Uh, absolutely. You want me to take this, Samir? Yeah, go ahead, buddy. Okay. So uh, Elevate Local is, is a goods and services platform. So what you'll find is something akin to Amazon or Etsy. It's professional. It's it's designed so so that people will like it. Um, but something, a few things that are different with Elevated Local than your standard platform. The first thing is we're going to work with Canadian businesses. One of the main things, if you looked at the stores directory, is that each person gets to have their own store. We're not just interested in building our brand. We're actually interested in helping people. And so we're interested in stores coming on, vendors, local brick and mortar Canadian stores or Canadian families who are selling goods or providing services to come on and create their store. 
um, they'll get their own branding and they can start from nothing or with what they have already and they can develop their their brand using our website. It's very important, the website, to use it because it's a low barrier to entry. Whereas if somebody was looking to start a business and they needed to start from scratch, you either need a lot of money or a lot of time or, or capability to create your own e-commerce site. It's very complicated. Within about four hours, you could be set up on this site and you could you could start creating the site. You could be launched. You could be launched with a few products or services on the site, even quicker if you have a little bit of experience. The other thing that's important is we put a map on the site. Every store on the site can be located on a map. So instead of just listing like a lot of other companies do where they list and they want all the money for themselves, uh, really what we want is for the communities to find vendors or like-minded vendors or good small medium business providers on the site, find their location and start supporting a local where it makes sense instead of buying overseas or instead of buying from uh, from people and not putting money back in Canadian families' pockets. That's how we're going to make ourselves stronger. We've seen manufacturing be destroyed over the last 40 years. And now we're seeing businesses be destroyed. We need to build that back up. Um, and then with it, we, we give the ability to offer products and services. So the products and services, you can offer subscriptions on it. So you can offer a subscription product. Uh, you can offer a subscription service. You can uh, make very complicated, you can make very simple products where it's just a single listing, or you can make a product called a, a variable product where you can flip through it. And if it's different colors and or different prices or a different shape or an extra large shirt, a small shirt, it'll flip through it and it'll give you the different options. And then we have services. And with services, it's really nice because we have the ability to rent out you know cottages on it or they can they can rent out places on it by the day by the weekend with with a great selection of of ways to to um to set up your your rental and we can do appointment booking so if you're a hairdresser a professional service provider if you're a skilled trades person who wants if you're air conditioning or if you're if you're looking to do skills trades for homes or contract out your services, uh, you can list it on here and you can do appointment bookings where you can book by the hour in the calendar. And so it, instead of you having to create a site and maintain all this stuff, it's right here for you. And there's a couple other really, really nice features about this is two, th two things is you can do downloadable products on here. So it means that you can create your product and when the person purchases it from you, such as an image or a file or software, um, as soon as they purchase it, it'll become available in a file for them. So they can download it right away and they can have their, their product right away. And of course you can combine that with a subscription service as well. So they could download it and ha have it on a monthly subscription. So somebody could do that every month. And then you can do virtual products. And what that means is you can send links for meetings, for discussions. And when we're talking about that, you know, this platform is very, very well developed. Um, and when we're talking about the services and the appointments, we also have the capability of integrating with Zoom. So you could 
literally book a service appointment on here and then it'll book in with your zoom and you can launch your zoom meeting from the site from when it's scheduled and it connects in with your outlook calendar so sometimes i'm afraid to tell everybody what this site can do because it's so powerful um it can overwhelm them especially when we start going into some of the features so amir um this could be used by someone running a bed and breakfast or it could be a software development company it could this could really accommodate any kind of a retail operation the the sky is really the limit with this yeah that that's correct so any form of product or service business that you have could be uh, works with this platform. Again, the idea here is to drive business away. That's why we've got the tagline shop outside the box. Get away from the big box stores, come back to your community, come back to the small businesses that served your communities long before, you know, the Walmarts and the Costcos and the big box stores showed up and uh, shut everybody down. Okay. And what about, um, a payment system are you integrated with uh with any kind of a system now to accommodate that yeah we have several systems so we start so you know when you're starting up something like this you want to start up so it's very stable so stability has been at the forefront of development for us we did incorporate uh start looking at um uh, an alternative payment processor so they're called payment processors so we did begin looking at an alternative payment processor. Unfortunately, they weren't quite ready yet to, to serve us. So right now we've connected Stripe. Um, and so Stripe is the payment processor. And there is the ability which we, we want to establish over time, which is e-transfers through home. So there is a, a complete financial management system attached to this. So as vendors make sales, it accumulates value um in the bank account and then the financial management system through stripe would handle it automatically where they get payouts so it's a trustless system with stripe they just get their payouts there's no chance that there would be any trust issues because payments get split right at the time of purchase and go to the appropriate person right at the time of purchase um, but we are looking at also adding e-transfers bank transfers and a few other modes and currently I'm looking at uh, CopperX to integrate with the platform so that we can provide uh, cryptocurrency purchases through it for something like Bitcoin, Litecoin, or Monero. Okay. And yeah. how many actual businesses do you have online right now? Do you have any, or is it just still in its infancy? So we're, we're in its infancy right now. We're just getting rolled out. So we've got a handful of, of businesses just getting dialed in. We actually had our first couple of sales. Um, so we are new and, and just rolling out here. Okay. <clears throat> it's been a long time in the build, and we have a lot of people on the roll that we have to call. So we have probably about 15, 20 businesses on here with follow-ups needed to quite a few more right now. Um, and then onboarding, but we are looking to bring vendors on. Okay. And how does the, the, the business relationship work? Good. Can you give me any kind of a breakdown on how the fees and, and, and things work? Absolutely. So, uh, so the fees are pretty simple. So we have a, 
the first year is free for the monthly fees and we charge a 10% fee for um, commission for the products or services that are sold through the site. And in extreme cases, that's probably negotiable for low um, for low margin products, if there, if there are any. Um, but we and then we have uh, packages based on how many products people are listing. So if on a yearly fee, we're looking at $12 a month, if they're listing um, 10 or 15 products, if they're doing if they're doing 100 products, we'd be charging $40 a month and then $100 a month if they're doing 250. And we just released a package, actually, if people want to just put store listings on here to get their store listed on here so people could show, uh, could find them and the, the vendors could show them where they are and they could find them and then they would get a listing where people could see them as an advertisement. We've initiated that already, which would be a $20 fee a month. Okay. And, and it's a pretty, uh, simple, pretty simple structure. Sorry. Okay. And you're, you're, you're kind of taking this down a, a social and cultural road as well. And, uh, and, and a, a road that is designed to protect people's rights as well. And, and that is to say that, you want to make sure that people aren't discriminated against. Can you speak to that? Well, yeah. Uh, so uh, I can tell you, look, from my own experiences, you know, my my business uh, was heavily dependent, is heavily dependent on entertainment. All right. So I, I do a lot of lunches and dinners and coffee meetings. And so when these restrictions came in, um, man, it was a it was a headache. All right. You know, going to these restaurants and being asked if I had my pass or not. I had to sift through a network of people and back channels to find restaurants that didn't ask, didn't care. Um, so, you know, this was a, a difficult process. Um, and now, you know, where we're at with this platform, you know, with having everybody collectively together into a space becomes easier. Uh, to sift through and, and find places that'll support you regardless. Whereas before, you're on your own to try and figure it out, you know? So I think this becomes a real, um, a strong, strong place for all of us when they try to pull any restrictions again at a later date, which I assume they're going to. Mm -hmm. And then, then with, uh, you know, my views on things are freedom is freedom, right? So some people don't like that, but it's, we have to accept each other for our views and for our beliefs and for who we are actually, um, you know, with, without trying to, you know, we want everybody to live in peace. So, um, but we won't tolerate people who discriminate against people on our platform. And we wouldn't want them on the platform. If they were discriminating against them, they wouldn't have a place. And so we put clauses in the terms and agreements. Um, one is we could remove people at our will, of course, if we want to, if they don't fit with the, the business platform we've created. And we've also put non-discriminatory clauses in there based on medical choices as well. Yeah. Okay. And um, the, the, a lot of the businesses I'm seeing in there, they're really kind of placeholders now. Um, like the, the, the images and things that I'm seeing on the website, it's like, I don't know if, is that an actual company at this point? Yeah. That Or is that yeah. just like a, yeah. it is? That's Bottle an Works? actual company. Yeah, Bottleworks is an actual company. I see. Yeah. 
And we have quite a few in the background. We're just finalizing some approvals on quite a few products right now. Uh, we have some coffee coming. We have, uh, we just brought a doctor on the other day and that's great news for us. If we have our doctors connected and, and the natural pass and the natural doctors and all doctors connected here. Um, and what's the other products? We have some health and beauty products coming. We have a shoe company coming a pretty big one, actually coming on a Canadian manufacturing shoe company that we're bringing on, which is great, oh, even <laughs> which is fantastic. Wow. Yeah, the one you just had up on the screen, sunny crunch as well. Um, they're, they're not a small fish. Yeah. And there's a lot of support that we have. And, and, and one thing I would also say to, um, people who are listening is on the site, if you're a local person and you're trying to reach globally, and we haven't even begun to reach out to our contact lists, uh, across, sorry, nationally, we haven't even begun to reach out to our contact lists nationally, which are pretty significant, uh, very significant and and our social media channels as well um but if you're a local person who can provide a virtual service across canada or you want to get your product reached out across canada you know we're the place for you we're going to support you we're going to give the the time you need which you don't get anywhere else these days customer service is is uh is gone so we will support you and we will help you get your products you know um across and there is a, a growth opportunity for local Canadians here on our platform. So sorry, go ahead, Amir. Yeah, Rick, a, a key takeaway here too is, you know, one of the things that Amazon did to businesses was when they onboarded people and Amazon started to pay attention to what products were really selling, what was hot. And then what they ended up doing was they, they, they took all that data and then they started to warehouse their own product and started cutting out these businesses. Well, for us, you know, this is just about strengthening your products, your services. Um, so this platform is for the, the, the vendors and the end users strictly. All we are here is a conduit to bring communities together. That's it. That's our role. here. Yeah, that is a real difference in philosophy. For sure. I'm surprised, actually, that you, you have a, a shoe company that's actually manufacturing the shoes in Canada. I didn't think that there was anything left of the textile industry in this country at all. Yeah. And, and we have to bring them on and we have to and we have to bring awareness to them and we have to get the message out. I mean, if they're comparable in price, why wouldn't we support them? If they're a tiny bit extra, even I know where I would want to spend my money. I want to spend my money in Canada. I want to help Canadian families. Uh, I'm tired of seeing my money shipped overseas, quite frankly, to people that don't deserve it. We've out a lot of our, our government money goes there. Uh, and then there's our business money constantly is outflowing because of short term gains. But you can see the effects of it now. Canada is really struggling. Yeah. Are there restrictions or requirements in, in, in that regard when it comes to the kind of products that you will allow on the site? Does it have to be domestically produced? Can it be a mix of products, uh, some imported, some, some domestically produced? How are you dealing with that, especially in the face mm -hmm. of globalization when so much manufacturing has been uh, offshore? So I think Amir and I are just figuring out who's going to answer that yeah, one. So I'll, yeah. answer that. I'll answer first, I guess, Amir. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. Okay. 
So, I mean, the idea is to put money in Canadian families' pockets. That's that's the first idea. We understand there's globalization here. It is very hard to um, compete. It is very hard to find products that aren't made in China or India or in different places. But we really want to put the money back in Canadian, Canadian families' pockets. Uh, when we verify identification, the people on the platform are from Canada. Uh, we want value-added products there or something we'd really love to see. So some of them are coming from, from other countries, but they do things to them. They value-add to them. They employ people here. People who are employing people here, please bring your products and services to Canada. Um, and the one thing I would say we don't want is somebody coming in and just offshoring everything to China and using our platform to dump their goods here. We don't want that. We want we want to support Canadians and Canadian families. Yeah. So ultimately, yes, the the, the dream would be everything's manufactured, made in Canada and sold uh, in these <clears throat> small small businesses. But the reality is uh, these small businesses, uh, you know, they've got a source from, you know, different global distribution channels. Uh, because that's where the product is affordable. But the name of the game here is your 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 brick and mortar, your business is Canadian. It's a local community business. Yeah. Where are you guys based? What what part of the country are you in? Milton. Mm -hmm. okay. mm -hmm. And and we have people with us who are, you know, across the province, uh, some people across you know the country that we deal with. So yeah. And, and I think it needs to be said, Rick, you know, Travis and I are sitting here getting the screen time. So, you know, it's our faces that people are going to associate with this. But we've got loads of volunteers that have all chipped in to help piecemeal this thing together. So a lot of wonderful people we've been working with over the last year. Uh, I don't know what Travis, what's the number, maybe upwards of 20 people uh, have been maybe more. Yeah, more depending on what projects we're talking yeah. about. Right. But on yeah, on this project. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and if and if we get to a place, you know, down the road where the government is imposing mandates and lockdowns or whatever they're going to throw at us, I guess that the beauty of this is this is all online. So this yeah. means people can work from home. They're not reliant on a on a corporate job. It it creates detachment from dependence, but independence while still being engaged in the the greater system is that fair yeah yeah and and the key is to be able to keep your business open so if they decide you've got to shut your doors you've got a platform here where you can keep your product moving um you know amazon uh, amazon's value skyrocketed you know when they they shut the doors and you know you're looking out your window every day and just seeing uh, delivery drivers throwing packages at every balcony is uh, absolutely mm -hmm. insane so yeah. if these restrictions come back if they force shutdowns now you just take your business digitally and we help spread uh, you know your reach across country well it's mm -hmm. it's so frustrating to see one guy make so much money through the corporation that he's leading that he can buy his own spaceship well, you know, people with small businesses, I know many of them who didn't survive the pandemic. They had to close their doors, people with families. And and today they're, you know, they're in very dire straits. It's It just doesn't seem fair. 
Well, and now you have the the loans being asked to be paid back, so you're going to see a lot more of uh, their doors close uh, as well. So it's it's mm-hmm. not getting better. Yeah, and it's getting worse. And and um, there's a game being played where they pretend like they don't understand the bankers, what happened, or what went wrong, or why can't you pay your your forty thousand dollars serve? And the interest rates they've just skyrocketed. If you want to get a loan to pay back your your serve that you took, which you're forced to take because your company's doors were shut. So aside from killing the businesses, uh, now you're in debt. Now now we're financially crippled across the country and people are not seeing sales the way they used to see them. We need to change everything. We need to change it now. We need to support our people. We need to support Canadians. We need to bring change to the country. Yeah, and... uh... Uh, you know, I, I don't know about you, Rick, or, or you know, I, I don't think sitting around and waiting to vote your your way out is uh, the the right solution. Um, you know, but who, you know, we're we're being shown a few people that might look like a hero to us, but at the end of the day, it's still politics. It's a dirty business. So the answer to our problems lies within each of us. Uh, I think we, the people, need to band together and again. I'm not talking about fighting the government. I'm talking about just creating unity and working amongst ourselves to provide solutions here. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we, and I think we saw the largest transfer of wealth from the, the middle class to the, you know, the top few percent that the wealthiest people in the world in, in a, in a very short order. So this is just um, a natural response, a business response to a business challenge, really, isn't it? That's mm-hmm. it. That's it. Yeah, when you when people are struggling, they're going to try and figure out a way to make life better, and um, and they're going to keep doing that. So the worse it gets, the more people are going to want to band together and work together. And uh, frankly, we need to work together. You know, yeah. um, it's unfortunate the situation though. Yeah, we either find a solution to stabilize stabilize ourselves uh, economically, or we're going to be in dire straits where we're going to be reliant on the government to help us, and which is now, exactly the direction they're looking to move us in. Right, and this is all about independence and self sufficiency. But do you say that this is really just the beginning? You're looking at expanding over time into other areas to help people remain independent. Uh, this is just the beginning. Um, a significant amount of effort has been put in by many, many people, many, many people. And that effort's not going to stop. Uh, more people, when they see structures that are being built that will support them, will want to come to people and work with people who are building these structures that are healthy and bringing health into their lives. There's a significant plan in the background that we're working with. We need people to support us. Part of that is you know, supporting the platforms that we build to help support you. Um, if you're somebody who wants to help, please reach out to us. Uh, we would like to work together with people to build solutions for the future, and we have a plan. Okay. Yeah, you know, we've seen conservative groups, I think freedom-oriented groups. You know, even when the pandemic first hit, even because of all the woke politics out there, there has been a response um, from people in, in the in the more conservative realm to, to produce products to to respond to 
woke corporate culture with a variety of products uh, uh, online. Um, you also mentioned cryptocurrency. Are you looking at creating a cryptocurrency at some point of, of your own or just using the existing cryptos that are out there? Yeah, I'm not a big fan. I, I find a lot of people who create cryptocurrencies on their own are, are trying to amass wealth. And I don't feel that it's necessarily an earnest thing that they're doing. Um, yeah, it's profitable. If anything, what's really good for the business would be a reward system for people who buy online. And that could possibly be cryptocurrency. Um, but no, we wouldn't be looking at developing our own. Um, what we would be looking at doing is using the ones that are, are about keeping transactions person to person. And if they're private transactions uh, and hopefully not illegal by the, you know, over the next few years. Um, but money's private when, and there's no reason why cryptocurrency shouldn't be private. And there's no reason why anybody should know every transaction we make. It's not like we're all running around doing bad things. Uh, we do want to integrate cryptocurrencies into the platform, but as a payment system. So people with cryptocurrencies could pay for products on the system. Yeah. How do you address the issue of trust in a digital platform i'm sure you're aware that a lot of people are worried about central bank digital currencies uh, the privacy that that surrounds cryptocurrencies in general but also the government response to that and government efforts to control cryptos and maybe even make them illegal or and people are worried about privacy online how are you addressing those kinds of issues given that this is an online platform yeah well with regards to uh, government control if that's what we're we're really addressing here i if i heard correctly um you know one thing is the governments can make anything they want illegal our platform will always follow the laws of course i mean we would never go outside the laws um, if it came to, um, to them making something illegal, then, then we'll follow that. Um, but will they be successful? I don't think that they can be successful, especially with some of these privacy points. I think that's the direction people will go in the end. Uh, when you look at things like Bitcoin, it is trackable. And the only way you're not really tracked is if you really understand how to use it and how it was created. But it's a ledger, it's an immutable ledger, and it was created that way so that it could be tracked. Whereas if you find something like Monero or a couple others, you can actually buy and sell online and you're not tracked anymore. Um, just like, and, and it's funny, like just like they said Bitcoin was for terrorists eight years ago, all of a sudden it's mainstream. And that's, gonna, that's what's gonna happen with privacy coins too. They're going to say it's all for the bad people and then they're going to have no choice but to deal with it because when you can transact privately there's going to be millions and billions of dollars that are getting processed that they have no access to um i don't know if i answered all your questions rick but i mean it's, well, it's you know yeah go ahead amir because you know I, I just when i when i talk to people you know people in our chat when they phone in on the call-in show if we talk about anything dealing with economics, there's just a lot of, there's a lack of trust and confidence, especially in, in the financial system, especially since they froze the bank accounts of people who donated to the convoy and things like that. So um, mm -hmm. these are just issues that I know people have in the back of their minds. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I wish we could say we have an answer and a, and a crystal ball that could tell you exactly what steps are going to be taken to protect everyone. Uh, things are happening rapidly. They're moving fast. Uh, yeah. So there's no way to predict where things are going to go financially. Um, you know, you hear a lot of doom and gloom and in, in online and the chatters. There's going to be a financial collapse. Uh, my personal belief is I don't think so. You know, let's remember that those that uh, depend on the system to accumulate their wealth, uh, you know, they, they depend on the same system we depend on. Right. So, um, you know, that's kind of my theory behind that. As far as crypto goes, you know, they've been trying, um, you know, to create a lot of propaganda around shutting it down. Now you're starting to see Wall Street get engaged with it. So now they're taking the mindset of, okay, well, we're not going to be able to stop this thing. So how do we get involved and then control it? So uh, time will tell uh, what direction things go in. Um, but, you know, we're just going to adapt accordingly like we have over the last three years. And whatever they throw at us, we're going to keep working hard to find new ways to get around it and hopes that we create enough momentum with enough people that uh, it just can't impact us anymore. Hmm. Yeah. And with CBDCs, I mean, yeah, they're going that way. Um, can they can they have mom and pops who need to use money and don't understand anything differently? Can they have them use their phones to buy everything? I think that's going to take a while. Yeah. I think we're going to be quite a bit away. But on the digital side of things, it's very real. They're bringing in CBDCs like this is this is going to happen. Uh, and probably you'll see some sort of worldwide currency. Um, and it sounds like it sounds like there is going to be a possible expiry date on currencies as we move forward into the future, which means that if you don't spend your money in time, that money can be canceled. Now, these are things people are saying, but these are actually real constructions that were, that are happening. Same with the universal uh, income that might be coming out. These are all constructions that, that are actually happening right now. They, people are looking at these things, building them, figuring out how to integrate them in. We're very concerned, very concerned about it. Um, you know, we don't want that on the platform. And, um, and we're going to be there to try and build the solutions that we need. Yeah. Okay. I think we've covered, you know, most of my questions. Is there anything else that... Uh, you think I might have been missing or that you'd like to draw attention to? Uh, nothing comes to the top of my mind other than like uh, Travis mentioned earlier, we're always looking for people to come on board and, and help out. So mm -hmm. uh, if you're someone out there looking to find a place and, you know, making a difference and then by all means, reach out. Okay. Let me just uh, put uh, your contact info up on the screen. What's uh, what's the website or how can people get in touch with you if they want to reach out to you? Uh, you can register to become a vendor. It's 12 months free right now. The selection's in the registration screen at www.elevatelocal.ca. Uh, okay. And you can contact us at info at elevatelocal.ca as well. Okay, so that's and, info at elevatelocal.ca is your email address. Yes, that's one of them. Um, besides saying thank you to you, Rick, for having us on, um, we, we do want people to shop. So, uh, so buy what you can from the site. Buy off local Canadian vendors. 
support the services that you see on there. And if you're a vendor and you want to get listed, now's the time to list. It's uh, it's 12 months free, no monthly charge. There's nothing to lose. Very little effort to get started, a little bit of a learning curve, but we'll be there to support you. Register online and we'll get in touch with you and help you out. Outstanding. And again, uh, email is info at elevatelocal.ca or go straight to the website, elevatelocal.ca, and you can use the contact form there or get signed up and uh, get in touch with these guys and let's get them kick-started and, and celebrate some freedom. <laughs> I love it, Rick. All right. Thank you very much, Rick. That was Thank very you, nice. Man. Thank you. All the best to you guys. Godspeed and uh, keep fighting for freedom. Appreciate Thank it. You're right. Keep doing the good work, buddy. All right. Have you a good day. Have, have a great night. Okay, guys, uh, that's just the beginning of the program tonight. We still have all the news of the day to cover, so don't go away. I'll be right back after this. Hello, world. Are you awake? Uniting humankind by liberating millions of minds at a time. Maverick News. The world is watching. The New World Order. Government Overreach. The Great Reset. Mainstream media lies. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com. Maverick News. The antivirus program for your mind. Okay, so where should we begin tonight? <clears throat> I guess we'll begin with this this story out of Ecuador because uh, it's pretty heavy duty. I want to get into that David Menzies thing as well tonight. But uh, in Ecuador, armed gunmen took over a TV station. There has also been violence across the country. Uh, so what do I know? I know this. I know that Ecuador's national police chief, Cesar Zapata, has confirmed the apprehension of all who were involved in the armed intrusion of a TV studio during a live broadcast. Masked gunmen brandishing firearms and explosives stormed the set of TC television. Zapata stated that the police successfully seized the weapons and explosives carried by the intruders, categorizing the incident as a terrorist act. President Daniel Naboa responded swiftly, issuing a decree declaring the nation's entry into an internal armed conflict following the attack on the public television channel. The president's action comes in the midst of a series of assaults, including 
the kidnapping of police officers believed to be connected to the escape of gang leader Adolfo Marchias, alias Fito, from a low-security prison. The president declared a national state of emergency for 60 days, allowing the suspension of rights and the mobilization of the military, accompanied by a curfew from 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. The government designated 20 drug trafficking gangs as terrorist groups, empowering the military to neutralize them within the bounds of international humanitarian law. So we do have some footage of that unrest. I have the letter from the government from the president of Ecuador declaring martial law. I'll bring up the letter first of all. It is right there. It says, uh, Article 1 recognized the existence of an internal armed conflict based on the considering part of this decree and the applicable current regulations. It goes on and on and on. It is, in a nutshell, a declaration of martial law to restore public order. And there it is on the screen for you. So that's what he issued. And also tonight we have, let me just bring up the footage. We have a number of uh, clips for you showing the situation in Ecuador tonight. You know, this is really a conflict between the government and I think a lot of these drug cartels, gunmen, we're shooting at police vehicles, and it's really not clear to me exactly how stable things are at this point. Even though the government is saying that they've arrested people and have restored order, I'm not so sure that we can put total stock in that. Shooting at police. So that's Ecuador. Also, we have see here and this was inside the TV channel in the station when the gunman entered they had explosives they had guns we'll take you inside the studio here now And 
There it is up on the screen for you. This is. So, you know, when you take over a country, when you're at war, or you stage some sort of a revolution, the rule of thumb is the first thing you do is you take over the TV and radio stations. So you control the media, control the messaging. That's always been the rule of thumb. And I would say, <laughs> that being said, keep in mind what has been sort of going on over the past few years, especially since the pandemic. If you're not, now you don't just take over the TV station, you take over social media. I've been telling everybody. And don't think for one minute that all of the misinformation, misdirection, disinformation, propaganda, outright lying is all coming just from your government. Oh, there's a fair bit of that, to be sure. But you're getting it from all sides. Let's pull up some more footage of what we were seeing on the streets in Ecuador today. as he ordered his troops to push back on a real insurrection, not the kind of insurrection we saw in J6. Now, this was something much more dramatic. There were weapons and explosives involved, many different locations, drug cartels, money, violence, real violence, and the military came out in response, shots fired at police, serious unrest in Ecuador, where we had a recent change of government, the new leader of Ecuador, the uh, son of one of the richest people in the country. And the president there ordering all armed forces to attack and destroy these drug cartels that uh, responded to government efforts to kind of crack down on them. So give it a little more time here, folks, and we'll see how stable Ecuador truly is. 
not clear to me, even though we're seeing reports coming out tonight telling us that essentially order has pretty much been restored, but I'm not entirely convinced of that. Let me take a brief break here and just make sure I'm not missing anything with this. I'm just going to check the news wire and I'll be right back. Okay, so just to kind of recap again, we know that there was this insurrection, armed gunmen went into this TV studio. We just showed you the footage there. Um, we know that 13 people there have now been arrested. I believe it's 13 Yeah, 13 arrested. Um, the government says it will be presenting the charges publicly within a number of hours. Prosecutors are at the scene of the television station where this attack took place. 13 arrests, and they could be facing up to 13 years in prison each. If convicted of terrorism, that's the that's the penalty that the maximum penalty they could be facing apparently under Ecuadorian law. So we know that these gunmen broke into the set of this public television channel. And then the uh, the president declared martial law as a result of this internal armed conflict. Alina Manrique, the head of news for TC television, says that she was in the control room across from the studio at the time of the, the attack. She says one of the men pointed a gun right at her head. We saw in that footage, it looked like a shotgun being held to the neck or the head of that man on the studio floor standing all of this went out live on television and then after about 15 minutes the signal was cut off so we've seen ecuador rocked by a series of attacks there have been as i said earlier abductions even of several police officers as a result of these attacks in the wake of powerful gang leaders, a powerful gang leader's apparent weekend escape from prison. Daniel Naboa, the president of Ecuador, did declare a national state of emergency, ordered the um, authorities to suspend people's rights as part of the declaration of martial law. 
and put the military into place in key locations, including prisons. And then, after the gunman stormed the TV station, the president issued another decree designating 20 drug trafficking gangs as terrorist groups. He authorized the military to neutralize them all within the bounds of international humanitarian law, which means, I think, shoot to kill. But do it in a humanitarian way. The police chief, the national police chief for Ecuador, also announced that uh, they had arrested all of the masked intruders from the TV station and says that what happened was a terrorist act. So that is what we know at this point. We'll continue to follow the story. If there are more developments, as always, we will update you, keep you informed. Don't go away. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms. Credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. In other news, on the home front here in Canada, or should I say Kanakistan or Chinada? <laughs> oh, I shouldn't even be laughing. This is terrible. Did, I'm sure that many of you saw what happened to David Menzies from Rebel News. Shameful. Shameful. He's asked, he just he's just doing his job. And I would say in a proper fashion, in my estimation, and he just walks up to the deputy prime minister to ask some questions as she's walking. Of course, she's ignoring him. And well, we'll just bring up the video and you can see what happened to poor David Menzies. Uh, you got to have respect for him. He's out there putting it on the line and. He's fighting for freedom too, isn't he? Watch this. How come the IRDC is not a terrorist group? Why is your government supporting Islamo nationality? You're under arrest for assault. You're under arrest for assault. 
Police, you're under arrest. How am I under arrest? You bumped into me. You pushed into me. You bumped. I was just scrubbing. I got my credentials here, and you just bumped into me. So, police, me. you're under arrest. What is your name in your badge? What is your name in your badge? You've been told you're under arrest. Why am I under arrest? He blocked my way. I was just screaming, Mr. Freeland. I'm a police officer. You're under arrest. What is your name in your badge number? I'm assaulting a police officer. How was that possible? Okay. Because you assaulted me three years ago when blackface on the You mean I was asking questions aggressively? No, your actions. Lincoln, you got this on video, right? He's saying I'm pushing people over. Yeah, that's, that's an absolute falsehood. So now it appeared that way. That's what you're saying, officer. Well, it appeared that was pushing I people. I wasn't. I didn't touch a single person. That was a little bit aggressive for what was happening. Get that. You get it. Got, you're under arrest. Please okay. take the microphone out of my face. Well, oh, I, I'd like a, I'd like so an so ongoing record of this. Can I have the microphone? Can I have the microphone? Can I have the microphone? Can you give? Your hand now. Why am I under arrest? I'm just doing my job. Resist. You don't need to resist, sir. I don't have to. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to say anything. I have nothing to hide, sir. Welcome to Blackface Canada. This is what they do to journalists. I was merely scrumming Minister Freeland, and a RCMP officer blocked me. And evidently, this is now a trumped-up charge of assault, folks. I didn't come here to cause any trouble. I came here to do my job, and now I'm handcuffed. This, this is your Canada now, folks. You know, this is the Gestapo taking blackface's orders. Outrageous. And meanwhile. The Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps is not a terrorist organization, is not a terrorist organization. And these liberals have the audacity to show up at a vigil for, uh, for a plane in which almost 200 people were killed, 57 Canadians, one unborn child, by the way. And look at this. They don't want, it is against the law in Blackface's Canada to ask insensitive questions, impolite questions. So a, gov a Canadian government that props up an Islamo-fascist regime, that's okay. But if you ask questions about that, uh, that's not okay. This is an absolute outrage. I didn't come here to cause trouble, folks. I just came here to ask questions. You're going to have to back up a little bit, okay? They're conducting an That's my cameraman, so he's not doing anything. No, I just want to provide some space so that everybody's safe here, okay? I'm going to back that up a little bit, and I want to take a closer look at the moment that might be considered <laughs> uh, assault, and then I'll comment on it. Why is your government supporting? Okay, so in this entire, I'm going to slow it down, one quarter speed. Pull the audio down. Islam. He's just asking her questions. He's not touching her. He's not threatening her in any way. He's just doing what reporters do every day. And does he touch that guy? Is there any physical contact? 
slow-mo this is like sports right instant replay and the cop is right there and <laughs> oh man bear if he's even it looks like yeah that may be a bump because david is looking at the at christian freeland the deputy prime minister doesn't see the officer standing there who clearly is in his in david's way as he's just walking up the sidewalk he never touched christian freeland never threatened her in any way simply asked some questions she walks around and now he's under arrest pushes him right up against the wall is that sign oh man <laughs> and from what david was saying you could hear him make reference to a past interaction with that officer they clearly have some history you know there's an old saying cops don't get mad cops get even what a game i don't like it when people who say they are journalists. I mean, I, I find it, uh, I don't like it when people say they're journalists and they run into crowds or they cause problems when they're clearly not acting as a journalist. That is not what happened here. David Menzies was doing his job. He was acting in an entirely appropriate manner. Christian Freeland walking down a sidewalk, going into a public event. She knows who he is. The cops all know who he is. They all know why he's there. And he approaches her because she's just wide open in a public space. So he just approaches her as he might any person in a public space with his microphone, camera rolling, which is entirely legal, and just starts to ask her questions. And given her position within government, it comes with the territory. It's part of her job to answer questions. And she has to expect that reporters are going to scrum her, especially when she's on her way into an event, a public event, a publicized public event in a public place where reporters are no doubt going to be there and may have questions about whatever it is that is going on inside, which was a memorial service for, I think, that plane that was shot out of the sky by Iran, killing all those people. And that cop just happened to be in the way. And do you know what assault is under the Canadian, under Canadian law? 
All you have to do is just, just do that. Just, just touch. And that's considered assault. Just, just touch. You just have to touch someone. Get into their space just enough and just, just touch them. And that's assault. Will that stand up in court? Was there intent there to assault someone? Who assaulted who? Is it assault if you're just walking and, and you're looking this way and someone stands in your way and you just brush up against them? Is that, are you assaulting them? Because the person who is responsible for that, why didn't the officer just move? Or if there was more concern about the deputy prime minister's safety and they didn't want someone near her, why did they allow her to walk down the sidewalk that far unaccompanied? without police protection, without bodyguards surrounding her at that point? Why were they all standing over by the doorway if they were concerned about someone approaching her? And then they don't interact with David Menzies until he gets right up close to the door and the cop is just in the way. And, oh, it's David Menzies' fault? And now they're going to arrest him. And now you've got a big court challenge on your hands. Oh, I see. It's stuff like that that continues to destroy public confidence in policing. Now, I totally get that the prime minister, the deputy prime minister, members, you know, members of parliament, they need special protection, special consideration, and they should have that. Even from reporters, who maybe sometimes might get aggressive with their questioning, but if you're that concerned, then surround her and keep them back. But she was just in an open public space, and David Menzies had every right to approach her. There's no restraining order on him. There's no nothing that says he's not allowed to just walk up to Christian Freeland and ask her a question. She walks around in Ottawa out on the streets all the time, and we've seen reporters just ask her questions. That's quite normal. And I've covered, as a reporter in my day, a lot of media scrums that got a whole lot more aggressive than that. And nobody went to jail. There's more going on there than meets the eye, obviously. That officer has some sort of history with David Menzies. So what's really going on? Is that guy, does he have some axe to grind? with David on a personal level or was this politically motivated or both? And where's the mainstream media? Where are they? This is a freedom of media issue here. This is enraging. This is unacceptable. You know, I've, I've, I, I, I just have to say that, We've we've got sort of two classes of media in this country. You've got the mainstream media that receives all this government funding, part of the establishment now, and you have the independent media. And the police do not treat the independent media with proper respect. It's a different landscape now, and they better get with the program. They need to wake up and understand that independent media should be treated the same as the mainstream legacy media. 
That is to say that when independent journalists call up and ask questions from the media liaison officers, public relation, your media, your, your community relations officers, the people who deal with the media, they deserve a response. They deserve the same kind of consideration as mainstream legacy media at media events. They deserve to be on the mailing lists, the email lists for news releases. They deserve, they should have the same, be offered the same consideration to go to media events, have the same kind of access. Now, it may be difficult to figure out how to deal with a larger number of journalists out there, be it, <coughs> excuse me, citizen journalists, mainstream legacy journalists, you get you have a greater number of them, but just but there's no you don't have a license to be a journalist. Anybody can be a journalist if you practice journalism, and it comes in many different forms. Whether you're making you know journalism can be writing a book, it could be working for a magazine, you might work for a daily newspaper or radio station or a television station, you might have a live stream or a, a live stream podcast news program like this one long form talk journalism comes in many many different forms these days you don't just dismiss someone and especially an organization like rebel news which is well established as a, an independent media outlet new form journalism practicing kind of an old school style of journalism there by simply getting out into the streets, rolling your sleeves up, doing the job and trying to hold politicians accountable with real questions. That's what you're supposed to do. Christian Freeland might not like it. When you get pushed back like that, you know what it smacks of? Fascism. What has become of our country? I don't recognize it anymore. I just, I just don't recognize it. it. Seems to me the these efforts are ramping up as well. It's it's scaring me because it's happening so quickly. Censorship laws, new legislation limiting freedom on all fronts, especially freedom of media, freedom of speech. And we've seen Rebel News targeted time and time again by police, by the authorities. And you know, in the past, if you saw any media outlet under attack from a police organization or a government, you'd see media outlets in general rally together and put up a united front to push back, to preserve freedom of media, freedom of speech. Just doesn't happen anymore. Again, the mindset has changed. Now you have media outlets that seem to embrace and cheer and ask for censorship. No, I stand with David Menzies. I stand with 
all media, even media I don't agree with, real journalists. Now, I've said before, I take a little bit of issue with sometimes with people who say they're journalists, but they're actually activists and maybe they push the boundaries on what a de the definition of a journalist is. It clouds things. It puts other journalists in jeopardy, especially in war zones where lives are on the line and journalists have to be, I think, viewed as non-combatants and should not be targeted, They're persecuted simply for doing their jobs. They're there to document and sometimes comment that governments, they don't like a lot of journalists because they bring too much truth or too much criticism through commentary and a particular worldview that is then disseminated through their journalism. They don't like it. So if they don't like you, they don't like your politics. If they don't like your worldview in the slammer with you, but that's what authoritarian and totalitarian regimes do. What we just witnessed there, that's not the Canada that I know. That's not the Canada that, that we're supposed to have. That's not freedom. That's quite the opposite. And those officers, they knew that camera was rolling, which is why they were so polite. But I kind of wonder, what would it have been like had the camera not been rolling? What would it have been like for David Menzies? No, this isn't right. And there's no need for that kind of relationship between rebel news and police. I don't know everything that might have, you know, transpired in the past between that officer and David Menzies. And I know that they had that run in before. What else has happened between them? I have no idea. I just know this. What that would happen right there? Mm, no. I know cops have a lot of tools at their disposal things they can use to make your life miserable, if even for a day. And that's what they did right there. That cop knew what he was doing. I've always had great relationships with the police services that I've worked with in the past. I've always had great respect for the officers that I've ever dealt with. Never any problems, really. Well, no, no, no. Even when I got a speeding ticket one time, which I was—I know I was targeted because I was a media guy. <laughs> I was doing 10 over. I got a ticket because I was in a station van. And I don't think the cop liked media guys. So I got pulled over and I got a ticket for going 10 over. <laughs> uh, and then the next day I was over at the police station to do a story and they were all uh, laughing at me, but they knew. <laughs> Other than that, I always had a really good relationship with all the police that I ever dealt with. Great respect for them, especially the OPP. A very professional organization, local police here. Uh, great relationship, knew some police chiefs personally. Always about safety, man, and community policing. 
things have changed in the realm of policing, though, let me tell you. And it's on full display right there. That cop? Come on, man. That's not. Come on, man. There's a Joe Biden for you. You don't treat people like that. You don't treat the reporters like that. And then you, you just got to be mutual respect. Things will go a lot smoother. Christian, you have to expect that people are going to ask questions. Now, he didn't pull a Moose McDavid on Christian Freeland there. He didn't scream at her or threaten her. And even then, Mr. Moose, he didn't assault Christian Freeland. If you remember back when he was swearing at her, that which that goes back over a year, well, over a year, year and a half ago, right? That was quite the spectacle. I would never behave like that, ever, with anybody in public, in a, especially when you're trying to interact with someone like that on a professional level. Never would do that myself. That what David Menzies did, right? That wasn't even close to that. He's just doing his job. We need to get back to a place of mutual respect where people can go out, do their jobs. Cops can accommodate the media, keep everybody safe. Make sure you know who everybody is. You've got credentials. You know who that guy is. That guy's going to keep his distance. He's going to go over there. You stand over there. Everybody's in their designated spot. The, the minister's going to make herself available to answer questions over here. There's going to be a scrum there. She's going to walk down there. You can shout questions from over there. You can try and get a clip from her there. You don't want them within 10 feet. Okay, then make sure you set up, make sure you organize it and keep it all safe. And if you're worried about her walking down that sidewalk, then provide some cover for her over there. That's a failure of the cops to make sure that they didn't provide the proper protection for Christopher Freeland when she was walking down the sidewalk. If they were really that concerned about it, they didn't want him to walk up. They should have been there to protect her, to keep people pushed back. But they didn't do that, did they? They left her wide open. So it was like fair game. You can walk up to her. Public place. Why the heck not? Heck, I, I've i approached prime ministers in public places in the past myself, just walked up with a camera rolling, very friendly, and just asked, can I ask you a few questions? I've done that in the past. When John Turner was prime minister of Canada, he was probably wouldn't even remember this. He probably doesn't remember me, but I remember him because he was quite accommodating. I'd missed... Um, we rolled in late at a news event and I needed to get a clip and his speech had ended and he was off to the airport in London, Ontario. So we got in the van and we drove over to the airport because I still needed to get a comment on a story. Well, I walk in and this is Canada. It's not the United States. And this is, you know, some years ago. So there, there's John Turner, the prime minister sitting in the airport alone. No RCMP around. He's just sitting there by himself. So we just walked over with the camera and a microphone. I just walked up to John Turner. He's the prime minister. And I said, hello, Mr. Turner. I'm Rick Walker. I'm blah, blah, blah. And could, would you mind if I just asked you a few questions? We missed you at your event. Yeah, no, that's, that would be fine. <laughs> so we did the interview right there in the middle of the airport, but nobody tackled me and arrested me. Now it was different days. Things were different back then, but nevertheless, I know how it works. And again, you want to get, you want to charge somebody with assault, just let them bump into you. Just because that's just, just, that's it. That's assault. That's assault. I have other stories about assault too, but you don't need to know them all. I have experience with it. <laughs> Not me assaulting people. I mean, me being assaulted. 
Okay. And you know what? At the end of the day, I just, you don't need the hassle in the court unless you want the hassle in the court. And that's what this is. This is, this is more lawfare. And it doesn't serve anybody well. It just deteriorates things even further. The, the, the terrible thing here is it's not this, this, the real damage here is it's not even to Rebel News and it's not to David Menzies. It's to public confidence and public trust in policing and in our government. At a, and it's coming at a time that couldn't be worse when public confidence in those institutions is at its lowest. This doesn't serve the public well at all. The last thing we need is more of this. Police need to be doing a whole lot more in the aftermath of the beatings of the, 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 the freedom convoy protesters by police there and everything that has come before and after and since and the lockdowns and the whole thing, man. A lot more work has to be done to restore public trust, confidence in policing and our government, and our public institutions. Without that, nothing's going to run smoothly. And the government's going to continue to have more and more problems. The harder they squeeze, the more problems we're all going to have. This crap really needs to stop. We talk a lot about electric vehicles here and the changing automotive landscape. One of the things of note is this convergence between consumer electronics and the auto industry. And in fact, at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, again this year, you're seeing more and more automotive products, including cars, new models of cars unveiled, and even concept vehicles like this one, the Afila from Honda, which is working on this vehicle, this concept with Sony. So the Consumer Electronics Show is a showcase for the newest, latest consumer electronics goods. And you know, I've said many times, it's a situation now where automobiles are not just stereos with cars attached to them. Now they're infotainment systems and cell phones and digital tracking systems with cars attached to them. Such is the case with the Afila here, um, which is a concept vehicle that I think is something that Honda is looking at eventually maybe putting into actual production. 
Honda is shifting gears here to some degree, though, putting less emphasis on autonomous driving and more on the electric vehicle technology itself, but still working with Sony to achieve some new things. It's a, it's a whole new ball game for the auto industry now because where you used to see these vehicles unveiled primarily or exclusively at major auto shows like the North American International Auto Show or the Tokyo Auto Show or the LA Auto Show or the Canadian International Auto Show in Toronto, which is coming up again here soon. Now you're seeing these automotive products unveiled at the Consumer Electronics Show because the cars themselves have become a form of consumer electronic. They're EVs. Now also at the Consumer Electronics Show today, um, we had some keynote speakers on the stage. There was Evan Spiegel, the co-founder of Snapchat, and Michael E. Kassan, the CEO of MediaLink. And I know that uh, child safety is a major concern for a lot of people. And in, the, in this conversation, this forum they were having at CES today, they were talking about branding, brand loyalty, digital branding, which kind of ties into our conversation earlier with Travis and Amir from Elevate Local. But they took, but then the conversation kind of took a little bit of a side road and they started talking about online safety. And I wanted to share this short exchange that they had at CES in Vegas today. Because I think uh, online safety is something that is of real concern, especially to parents. And this is something that I guess they're going to be addressing more in some public hearings that are coming up. Every platform's best interest to try to minimize misinformation or hate speech on the platform. And I do think that, you know, and I, I hear frequently about what all the platforms are doing to advance um, their efforts there. Um, but I do have to ask about this question of platform safety. And I know there's a big hearing coming up in Washington, D.C. You, Evan, are going to be testifying along with the CEOs of Meta um, and, and X and TikTok and I believe YouTube as well, talking about safety for, for children and teens. Um, give us a little bit of a preview of what you're going to be talking about there and why this is an important moment, not just for SNAP, but for the whole industry amid growing concerns about what these platforms do to mental health. Yeah, so we, we now reach uh, what, more than 75% of 13 to 34 year olds in over 20 countries. So we feel an enormous sense of responsibility to keep our community safe. And from the very beginning, you know, we've offered privacy by default, meaning you have to choose the people who you communicate with on, on Snapchat. We proactively scan for harmful content. We offer tools in our family center, for example, that allow parents to monitor who their teens are talking to on Snapchat. Uh, without, of course, you know, revealing the contents of all the communication. It gives parents a sense of what their teens are doing and, and who they're communicating with. And of course, we offer reporting tools and a law enforcement operations team so that we can respond 
you know, bad things do happen uh, on our platform. And I think this upcoming hearing is really an opportunity to share the things we're doing to keep our community safe. But also I think it's a, a bit of a seatbelt moment for the tech industry where we all need to work together to encourage all online platforms to implement safety tools to keep people safe online. Michael, how do you see this, you know, having worked with probably every single platform, this question of protecting the users, but also enabling there to be enough communication that it's a, it's a growing platform, sort of ultimately sometimes trade-offs between growth and safety? Again, if you're going to the free speech aspect of it, I think that's where you're going with the question. I think there's a balancing act. I'm a, certainly a proponent and a believer in free speech, but let me just say the, the obvious, you can't say fire in this room and have that protected, okay? So, uh, you know, the moderation of that is critical. So I think, you know, you have to give credence to that. I'm not sure that answers your question. Well, I guess I was thinking more with this idea of safety for kids and teens. And will advertisers say, I don't want to be on a platform if there, there's research showing that has negative impact on teens? Yeah, I haven't, see, I haven't heard that yet from, a, from an advertiser with any authority at all. So I don't think that will, I mean, if it's shown that there's stuff that's bad for kids, yeah. a whole different circumstance. But I have not heard any of the brands pushing back yet on that. Where do you see this going, Evan, this conversation about platform safety? Not about brand safety, but platform safety. Well, I think the, the point that you made is, is a very wise one in the sense that people are concerned. The research has shown that harmful content drives more engagement, right? The research has shown that public likes on social media create feelings of social comparison, which makes people not feel very good but likes drive more engagement. And so I think there is this natural tension between some of the features of social media and the harm that they're causing, not just young people, but all people in, in our society. And so again, I think this hearing is an opportunity to make clear that we should avoid social comparison features. We don't offer public likes on Snapchat, for example, we never have. And you know, in the case of harmful content, it needs to be removed. And, and again, to, to your point, there's a whole chunk of content that's not covered by the First Amendment. Right, so we don't even need to get into First Amendment territory to say we should take down harmful content. Um, we're almost out of time, but I feel like I would be remiss not to ask you about the question about AI because I think it is still the dominant trend, if not more. Everybody have a drink year. now, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just a quick final thought on how, Evan, I'll start with you, on how AI is going to continue to transform your business. I would argue that it is a big part of the success of Snapchat Plus, but how much more will your business be transformed by AI this year? One of the things we're most excited about is the way that AI is empowering creativity, especially generative AI, you know, for photos and videos that people want to share together uh, with their friends. And that's a, a huge part of the Snapchat Plus offering uh, today because sometimes you don't necessarily know how to, you know, capture the right snap to share with your friend and it'd be easier to use AI tools to help create uh, that, that perfect snap to share and express how you're feeling. So we think, you know, AI as a driver for creativity will be really important for our business. And Michael, what do you think? Whether it's the advertisers or the or the platforms or, or the ad agents. <laughs> I, I, I think across the ecosystem, it is, it, it's what- Good for creativity. Many years ago around 5G when I was doing an interview. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> oh my God. It's not good for creativity. You know what AI is doing? It's stifling creativity. It's destroying creativity. It's the opposite of creativity. It's like, make me a picture of, and then it makes it. It makes it for you. You don't create anything. You just ask for it, and it creates it for you based on 
everything that has come before. That's actually why these copyright laws are being <laughs> coming into play here. Even, you know, newspapers, I think like the New York Times and, and others, they're, they're concerned because these AI platforms are really using archive material going back generations to feed the data in, feed all the information into the system. And then the things they create are based on that archived material. So is that, does that constitute some sort of plagiarism? Is it even really truly creativity? I suppose you could say that it is, but you know, I'm afraid that where this is really all going is that like GPS, I think it sort of dumbs people down. I don't know if you've noticed, but you become more and more dependent on the technology. Back in the day, I would just memorize where I went and I would use a paper map. That's how old I am. To get from point A to point B, wherever that might be in the world, especially on a long trip, you have a map. But you would sort of remember how to get from place to place to place to place, even if you haven't been there for a while. But now with GPS, I have found that if you're going someplace that you don't frequent all the time, you're just going to turn the GPS on. And when that GPS is on and it takes you to the route, I tend to not remember how I got there because I've just been following the directions of the GPS. Turn left, go two kilometers, turn right, go half a kilometer, turn left. But I don't really remember the route so much. I think with AI and creativity and pictures, it's... Uh, it's just creating a situation where people will do a whole lot less painting and a whole lot more, you know, typing on a keyboard, just asking for stuff. And over time, people will, I think, lose what will eventually become viewed as old world artistic skills. What place is there in the future for someone who still uses a brush and paint when you can just go computer give me a picture in that way i don't think the future is looking so bright is watching. Leo just sent me a still image of a Tesla burning underwater. So I did a quick search and I found the actual video associated with it. I think I'm going to share it with you because again, this is 
I guess a snap shot, maybe not a snap chat, but a snap shot of where we're going in the future. Tesla's electric vehicles that roll into the water and then catch fire. Tesla pulling an actual boat into the water, submerge the entire car on fire. Best place to go. It's still burning so in the water. Boat and everything on it too. Started, it started it started no, she said she went into the they were just dropping off the unbelievable and it said to to get out of the to get out of the car it was warning her right and like a warning label came on and she couldn't get out of the car so the husband came with the jet ski and got her out oh shit oh yeah all was shit going to for the way station no the pump way station yeah, the pump station, right? and yeah, they the dump station. it into here oh yeah okay and yes, wow. she said five minutes. She said it started smoking and fucking caught on fire. Right. No, there's nothing to blow up. That's, it, that's insane. We didn't know it would do that. Yeah. We found that's out today. You have to wonder what kind of toxic stuff is getting into the water, too. And those electric vehicles, when they catch fire, they are almost impossible to extinguish. I've seen firefighters dig pits fill them with water and then tow them or lift them with machinery into the pit full of water in an attempt to put out the fires very dangerous stuff <laughs> Maverick News. The world is watching. You know, just coming back to the David Menzies thing, I remember back when Justin Trudeau was first running to be elected prime minister. And he did something at the time that caught me off guard because I was not a big fan at the time. But I thought, hey, maybe he's not such a bad guy at the time because there was a scrum, a media scrum, and there was a journalist who asked him a tough question. And all the liberal supporters around Trudeau, who was still very popular at that time, they all started to heckle the reporter. And Trudeau said, hey, hey, don't. He, he, he stopped the crowd and he said he's just doing his job, as I recall. And then he, he went on and said something to the effect of, you know, we, we anyway, he, he defended the reporter. And I thought, wow, like at least the guy 
defends free speech, free media. I'm like, okay, I can respect that. Thank you. But something changed over time. And you saw it on display with what happened there with David Menzies being arrested, really just because he was asking questions of the deputy prime minister. Let's be honest, okay? Um, hang on, I need to... Uh, Sorry, I was supposed to get live on Wimkin and I didn't fire up the Wimkin link. So now the audio is bleeding into my other ear here We're on all kinds of different platforms and that one wasn't fired up. But anyway, something's definitely changed with Trudeau. And I remember, you know, other posts like this one too. I'll bring this one up. Um, where when he's talking, he's just such, such a virtue signaler. It's pretty clear. Or maybe nothing did change. Maybe he's just... Uh, Maybe he's just always been virtue signaling all the way along. So remember when he said this? He said, the pattern of harassment of journalists is incredibly alarming and completely unacceptable. This type of behavior has no place in our society. No journalist should ever be threatened for doing their job. That was in August 24th, 2022. And then today... We have David Menzies, who's out now, but was arrested. And now I believe Rebel News is going to take legal action. And other pictures from Rebel News, too, where they've been on the front lines. Other reporters and their interactions with police. Hmm. But at least there's maybe some hope out there. You've got Pierre Polyev, leader of the official opposition, Conservative Party of Canada. He posted this in response to the situation with David Menzies. I think he was the first one, the first politician to come out and say anything in defense of journalists and Menzies in particular. He says a journalist was arrested for questioning a liberal minister and the parliamentary press gallery doesn't say a word. Trudeau has divided media into two groups, those he's bought off with bailouts and those he censors and has arrested. And then there's a petition that you can find on Pierre Polyev's X account. You can click that. It'll take you to a petition to support a free press. And then someone else posting this old post from Justin Trudeau back in May of 2022, which now seems to ring hollow given what we just witnessed. Putin's decision to expel Canadian media from Moscow is an attempt to silence them from reporting the facts, and it is unacceptable. Journalists must be able to work safely, free from censorship. Ha, ha, ha. 
Mm. Not funny. Intimidation and interference, that is something Canada will always stand up for. Will it? It doesn't feel like it, doesn't seem like it, doesn't look like it. Not with JT at the helm. Not with Christian Freeland. So I don't know exactly what the situation with Menzies is. I, in fact, I'm not even sure that he was actually charged, but he was cuffed. I don't think he was actually formally charged with anything, but he was arrested. At the scene, subdued. And some people are skeptical, and I'll bring this one up here. But what I saw, I don't, I don't think this is, I don't think this, this person is really being fair or accurate. This poster, Styles 83, says, calling Menzies a journalist is laughable. Says he has a history of getting arrested and accuses Rebel News of using this as a fundraising grift stunt. So. Yeah. Somebody else sending me something here just now, and I'm not exactly sure what it is. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Leo, for sending me this. Let's take a look at this. This is a this is what your this is what your Trudeau's Canada looks like today and Olivia Chow's Toronto. This is disgraceful that people have to be living like this tent city. Downtown Toronto, January 9th. Something's not right, folks. Again, I don't recognize my country. Just not right. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, there is uh, there is some grifting going on out there and some political... There's some political shenanigans going on. I'm sure of that. People just doing things politically to get people to donate money so they can make a living off stuff. When they're not really viable political candidates at all. But uh, that being said, 
from what I saw there with that interaction with David Menzies and that officer, he was just doing his thing. He was just doing his job. And there was really no harm, no foul there until that officer was just smack dab right in the middle of the way. Okay, so what else do we have for you tonight? We did the electric car stuff. We have Trudeau saying that the government is actually looking at some way to designate Iran's IRGC as a terrorist organization. This, I think, in response to the pressure being applied by the conservatives and Pierre Polyev. He did make that comment at um, the ceremony yesterday commemorating the victims of flight PS752, which was shot down by the IRGC shortly after taking off from Tehran on January 8th, 2020. All 176 people on that aircraft, including 55 Canadians, 30 of them permanent residents were killed. And the victims' families have been calling on the government ever since to list the IRGC as a terrorist organization. And even before, many people calling on the Canadian government to do that. With the liberals, they haven't. And Trudeau says they have taken steps in response to the IRGC's actions. But I think it's really just lip service. They haven't really taken anything, any concrete steps. The government has used the Immigration and Refugee Protection Act to bar high-ranking members of the Iranian regime from coming into Canada. And the Canada Border Services Agency has denied entry to some senior Iranian officials as a result. And apparently the government is investigating about 100 people with status in Canada who could have potential ties to extremist organizations in Tehran or to the government itself. But let's face it, the government has had plenty of time to take some sort of action if they'd wanted to. And so far, there has really been nothing of substance And you saw the response to the question in that regard from David Menzies with police arresting him at the scene. And I don't know if Ezra Levant being Jewish has anything to do with it or not. But in these days, in the, the current political environment in Canada given what's going on in the Middle East and all the protests in the streets and police bringing coffee to pro-Palestinian supporters who are blocking roadways instead of handing out tickets or making arrests or using the new Ontario legislation that gives broad sweeping powers to police to effect arrests and confiscate property and circumvent people's rights for doing just that, for 
blocking public infrastructure, including roadways, highways, and they did nothing. They brought coffee to the protesters instead. Why are we seeing this double standard? And why are we seeing freedom protesters over here being arrested and bank accounts frozen? And this legislation clearly targeted specifically at that group went over here. These people get a completely different kind of treatment. There should be equal application of the law across the board. And I would say overall, that legislation shouldn't even be in place. Tonight, we are also seeing that Anthony Blinken has his hands full over in the Middle East. He uh, went over to meet with Israeli officials. The U.S. is pushing Israel to scale back its operations in the Gaza Strip. They don't want the conflict there to escalate into a wider war. And I don't think anybody wants to see any more death. This meeting follows days of talks with Middle East leaders who warned that anti-U.S. opinion is growing in the region. No kidding. No kidding. The United States and Israel increasingly isolated internationally. The Israeli military has indicated it is shifting to a less intense phase in the north, but also indicates that it is still expanding its ground operations in Khan Yunus, a key southern city, as it battles Hamas, it also continues to bombard areas where civilians have fled Israel's ongoing assault. We still have escalating fears of a broader escalation, especially given that We've seen this strike by Israel into Lebanon, which just killed an elite commander in the Iran-backed Hezbollah militant group. The assassination last week of a Hamas leader in the Lebanese capital of Beirut also brought talks to release more of those hostages to a standstill. So we're seeing Palestinian officials from the Palestinian Health Ministry now indicating that over 23,000 people have been killed in Gaza. 57,000, according to them, have been injured. Thousands more missing, apparently. Many presumed dead. Personally, I would say those numbers should be treated softly. They have every incentive to inflate those numbers. And until we get to a place uh, that is less emotional and more fact-based, I would, uh, I, I just, no, no question, a lot of people dying, but I don't think there's any way to really know at this point. We'll get a better indication in the future someday. Israeli military officials say at least 185 soldiers have now been killed 
in addition to all of the death, you have that too. And of course, it all started back on October 7th when Hamas went into Israel and killed over 1,200 people, civilians, and took 240, approximately 240, 250, 240, 250 people hostage. Many of them still remain in captivity. And that is the situation in the Middle East tonight. Okay, let's take a little break and I'll be right back. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow may be too late. Too late, too late, too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. Okay, so let's get the latest from uh, Donald Trump's immunity trial. Um, lawyers are debating whether Trump can be criminally prosecuted in that uh, 2020 election case. So we have this three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit, and they were hearing arguments today. The question being... President Donald Trump's claim that he is immune from prosecution connected to the whole election integrity issue. And, um, you know, he really hasn't been convicted of anything at this point. And this question of immunity is front and center now. Trump was in attendance today to hear the arguments and face the charges in a Washington, D.C. federal court. They were filed by special counsel Jack Smith. Trump has entered a plea, if not guilty, to the four charges, which are conspiracy to defraud the U.S., conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction and conspiracy against the right to vote and to have one's vote counted. Now, Trump contends that his efforts back in 2020 were within his official presidential duties. And he says that he is protected by presidential immunity. Now, these judges, Karen Henderson, Judge Karen Henderson, um, was appointed in 1990 by President 
George H.W. Bush. And then there are a couple of other judges, too. There's uh, Michelle Childs and Florence Pan. They were both appointed by Joe Biden. And, you know, Bush, Biden, not, not friendly to, to Trump. So these are judges appointed by opponents of Donald Trump's. So we'll see where all this goes. We do have this clip of Donald Trump commenting on today's proceedings. Let me bring it up for you. I just have to find him again here. Where did you go? There we are. Let me get uh, the President Donald Trump up on the screen here for you. And here we go, folks. This was the Fox the News feed. Has decided to prosecute his major opponent who's leading in all the polls in the country. The issues that the court had to deal with today were momentous whether or not a president of the United States could be prosecuted for carrying out his responsibilities, doing his job as president. We can't have a country where every four years there's a cycle of political recrimination, where one administration attacks a prior administration, when in fact that candidate is leading in the polls and will be the next president of the United States. As our legal team, as our appellate team made clear, that would be a disaster for our country. That would be a direct attack on democracy, and that cannot happen. What was very significant today, and I'm sure you all caught it, is the special counsel conceded that if it was President Obama who was being prosecuted for a drone strike, then they'd have to consider immunity. But when it's not, when it's President Trump, then they're taking the position that there's no immunity for presidential acts that were required when a president is carrying out his job responsibilities. If we adopt what the special counsel wants, if we adopt what President Biden wants, then we open the Pandora's box to political prosecution after political prosecution after political prosecution. In fact, Joe Biden, could be prosecuted for trying to stop this man from becoming the next president of the United States. We don't need political prosecutions. We need political process. I'd like to introduce President Trump. Well, I want to thank you all. And we had a, I had a very momentous day in terms of what was learned and what they've conceded. They conceded two major points that were uh, they were right in doing it. I don't think they had much of a choice, but they're very, very big, very powerful points. And I think we're doing very well. I think it's very unfair when a opponent, a political opponent, is prosecuted by the DOJ, by Biden's DOJ. Uh, so they're losing in every poll. They're losing in almost every demographic. Uh, numbers came out today that are uh, really very mind-boggling if you happen to be Joe Biden. And I think they feel this is the way they're going to try and win. And that's not the way it goes. That will be bedlam in the country. It's a very bad thing. It's a very bad 
precedent. As we said, it's the opening of a Pandora's box, and that's a very, that's a very sad thing that's happened with this whole situation. Uh, when they talk about uh, threat to democracy, that's your real threat to democracy. And I feel that as a president, you have to have immunity. Very simple. And if you don't, as an example, if uh, this case were lost on immunity, and I did nothing wrong, absolutely nothing wrong, I'm working for the country. And I worked on uh, very hard on voter fraud because we have to have free elections. We have to have strong voters. We have to have free elections. Those two things, almost above all. And we found tremendous voter fraud. We have a list of it. We have some findings if you want it. The press doesn't like reporting it, but we found tremendous voter fraud, determinative voter fraud. But we worked on that. That's what I was doing. And uh, they were talking about after. Well, nothing has to do with after I left. It was during the time. And that was what they really focused on today during the appeal. And they concede that, and everybody concedes that. And if it's during the time, you have absolute immunity. So uh, we'll see how it all works out. Uh, we have uh, a great argument. We have an argument with they conceded two major points today. In fact, I think it's probably a concession. You have to ask the lawyers, Todd, if you'd like to talk about it. But they conceded two points that I think were, uh, by normal standards, if it weren't me, that would be the end of this case. But sometimes they look at me differently than they look upon others, and that's very bad for our country. Uh, you had a very big event yesterday, as you saw, in Georgia, where the district attorney is totally compromised. The case has to be dropped. Uh, they went after, I guess, 18 or 20 people. They wanted to go after a lot of other people. They wanted to go after senators. She was out of her mind. Now it turns out that that case is totally compromised. In fact, they say she's in far more criminal liability than any of the people she's looking at. So I think that when you look at what happened where they pay a lawyer with absolutely no experience, $700,000, who happens to be her lover or her boyfriend, and uh, then they go on trips and vacations together, very expensive vacations together. And the reason they paid him so much, because he was after me, because this way they can afford to pay him a lot more, probably passes a certain test. And that's a very sad thing that happened in Georgia. And I would imagine that case is going to be dropped. Um, every legal analyst that I've spoken to, every legal analyst that I've read have said that case is so compromised now, it has to be dropped. Uh, very good people were very badly hurt by that case. It's a shame. Very good people. People did nothing wrong. Uh, they did nothing different than what Democrats have been doing for years and years and years, whether it's slates or anything else that you're talking about. But they were very hurt, and it turns out that uh, she profited tremendously in that case. It's illegal. What she did is illegal. So we'll let the state handle that. But what a, uh, what a sad situation it is. I want to thank everybody for the fairness. We've been covered very fairly. Most people agree that uh, we're entitled as a president to immunity. If you didn't have immunity, as an example, uh, Joe Biden with the prosecutor, we're not going to give you a billion dollars unless you get rid of the prosecutor that's after that's after the company or his son or whoever it is they're after. But he wanted that prosecutor gone, and he's on tape saying it. Or you could say the horrible job he's done at the border where our country is being destroyed, or the horrible 
situation that took place. The lowest moment, I think, in the history of our country was Afghanistan, the way we withdrew. Not that we withdrew, but the way we withdrew with, with shame. We surrendered. Uh, people killed. 13 great soldiers killed. Many unbelievably, horrifically hurt, wounded, hurt. And hundreds of people died on both sides. Hundreds of people died. He could be prosecuted for that. So you can't have a president uh, without immunity. You have to have, as a president, you have to be able to do your job. But if this didn't work out, if I wasn't given immunity, then other presidents, when we talked about today, uh, President Obama with the drone strikes, which were very bad, uh, they were mistakes, terrible mistakes. Uh, you can't put a, uh, you really can't put a president in that position. So I think most people understand it and we feel very confident that eventually, uh, hopefully at this level, but eventually we win. A president has to have immunity. And the other thing is I did nothing wrong. We did nothing wrong. Uh, the investigation of the election, which was a rigged election, everybody knows it. And just if you just look at, they didn't use state legislatures. They didn't, uh, they went to the FBI, and you look at FBI and Twitter, the Twitter files with the FBI, all of the horrible things, uh, FISA, the FISA court, the signed documents, uh, the lying to Congress, and the stuffing of the ballot bo boxes all on tape. Stuffing of ballot boxes all on tape. Government tape. And most of the information, as you know, will give you some of the findings that just came out. But all of that information, as you know, was gotten from mostly government sources, government tapes, government files, and government stats. So it's uh, very sad when something like that happens. You know, you wouldn't have inflation, but much more importantly, you wouldn't have had the Ukraine situation with Russia. You wouldn't have had the attack on Israel. You'd have a much different economy right now. You'd have a great economy. and. We would be respected all over the world the way we were just three years ago. So I want to thank everybody very much. And we, uh, we think we had a very good day today. And the concession of these two major points was pretty amazing. And uh, honestly, I'm very glad they did it. I think they did the right thing. Thank you very much. Mr. Mr. President, you just used the word. And that's it. Okay. Let me just check my... Incoming messages. Is somebody trying to send me a hot breaking story? Yeah. U.S. Coast Guard seizing $11 million of cocaine, heroin, and meth off the Gulf of Oman. What else do we have here? Um... Well, that's interesting. Looks like, well, I better check this before I say anything. Just to make sure that it's accurate. I don't want to get burned with fake news at all. So another message coming in that I'll verify before I report. That gets us close to the bottom of the hour. Um, yeah, let me take a quick break so I can get some stuff cued, and then we'll rock and roll on the other side. 
of this. Exile. The Knights of Malta. Maverick News. Join us. The world is watching. Okay, Knights of Malta. We've got to exile the Knights of Malta. Purge the corruption. Get those bad guys out of there. And restore some public confidence in our government and institutions. That's the message tonight. No doubt about it. Um, and if you're going to see that Tucker Carlson guy, that'd cost you, what did we hear last night? 800 bucks for a seat somewhere in the vicinity of the stage. $800. See Tucker Carlson? I like Tucker Carlson, but I don't like him enough to spend 800 bucks on a ticket. I don't know about you. So I have a, a cheaper alternative. If you want to support the show, we still have Maverick News hoodies right here. $60 donation or more. I'll send you one of those. $30 for a Maverick News t-shirt. Just indicate when you donate what size you would like, what size you need. And again, you can have it in any color you want, as long as it's black, just like an old Model T Ford. And you can donate to support the program, to support the channel, at, here we go, maverickdonations.com. That is the Give, Send, Go, or at freedomreporters.com. That's the PayPal. Certainly appreciate the support we've had before. And we've got these hoodies, which are really quite nice, I think, and T-shirts. So $60 or more, and I'll send you a hoodie. $30 or more, and I'll send you a T-shirt. Just make sure you tell me what size you need. Give me your mailing address when you donate, when you message in. And I'd be happy to send that along um, to say thank you. And I'll say thank you here, too, for people who have donated, continue to support the channel. You can do that as well over at Rumble through the Rumble Rants. If you go to Rumble, our Rumble channel, the link is in the description, depending on where you're watching. Um, you can go over to our Rumble channels and subscribe there. Super important. Please support us there. We're not even running on Facebook again tonight. I've just, I'm kind of just at my wit's end with those guys. They just keep hammering and throttling. And we, we had a pretty major base of support over on Facebook and they just destroyed everything over on Facebook. So whatever we're firing on, um, a couple of YouTube channels tonight, Twitch, Twitter X, Rumble, Odyssey. Um, are we on Wimkin or not? Yeah, we're live, I guess. I don't know. Maybe we're live. I'm not sure. I don't know if I hit the live button. I don't think I did. 
So we're sort of, no, I don't think we're not running on Wimkin, but it'll be uploaded to Wimkin later. That we get some traction there, and we'll also be on Brighteon, YouTube, Cloud Hub. I'm probably forgetting one or two bit shoot. We're on there too. So check it out. And you guys want to go to the phones for a couple of calls tonight? Why don't we do that? I'll put the number up on the screen for you to call. Do a little bit of a call in show. Also, just a story of note as we get ready to go. Lloyd Austin, the defense secretary, you know, he went into the hospital. Nobody really knew. His, uh, the deputy de de defense secretary took over. The White House didn't even know. I guess he's been diagnosed with prostate cancer. So that's kind of an update to that story. Not exactly sure where all that's going either, but that is kind of what happened there. Also, NASA has announced the delay of its Artemis moon mission until 2025 or 2026. Pretty exciting stuff, you know, they talking about going back to the moon. But now NASA has said today that it's delaying its first crewed missions to the moon in decades. It won't happen until September 2025 uh, for the flyby and an attempted landing on the moon won't happen until September of 2026. They're saying, and this is uh, in a statement, to safely carry out these missions, agency leaders are adjusting the schedules for Artemis II and Artemis III to allow teams to work through challenges associated with first-time developments, operations, and integration. Now, they were scheduled to send four astronauts into space this year for a lunar flyby before returning to Earth. Artemis III was planning to send four astronauts to the moon for a landing in 2025. So everything's pushed back basically by about a year. Pushed ahead, rather. Hmm. You'd think with the technology and the experience and all of that under their belts that they would be able to get to the moon easier than they did before, but it seems like it's almost more difficult now than it was in the 60s and 70s. I don't know. I don't know. All right, let's get, uh, let's get this phone line fired up here, shall we? What am I going to do here? Let me run a couple of little promos. We'll come back on the other side, and you guys can weigh in on tonight's conversation. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarmingly, some media outlets publish and publish the same things that simply are true without checking facts first. Unfortunately, some members of the media use their platforms to push their own personal bias and agenda to control exactly what people think, and this is extremely dangerous to our democracy. In an ocean of lies a century deep, the truth awaits. Choose not the red pill. Choose not the blue pill. For both are an illusion. 
Discover the power of M. The power of individuality. We are mavericks. We are the way to the light. Fear not the storm. Join our quest for truth. Truth will set you free. Maverick News. The world is watching. The New World Order. Government Overreach. The Great Reset. Mainstream Media Lies. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now, at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com. Maverick News. The Antivirus Program. For your mind. Okay, we're back, and the number to call is 1-833-975-3733, 1-833-975-3733. Let's go to our first caller of the night. Go ahead. Who's on the line? It's Patricia. Well, hello. How are you tonight? Hi, how are you? Well, I'm Okay. What do you think? You look fantastic. You always look so fantastic. Oh, really? <laughs> I yeah, got you did. fooled. Got you fooled. <laughs> Your wife is a lucky lady. Oh, really? No, it's the other way around. Yeah. Really, she puts up with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and how's your how's your puppy doing? You always take him on for a walk. I, I haven't yeah. seen one of those in a while. I want to see one. Yeah, I, I was thinking of making a new one because uh, he's the most, he, he misbehaves more than any dog on the planet. And I think, <laughs> I think we need to see that. You need to see how I walk him. It's like how to not be, how to not train your dog for a walk. That will be. But, the he's, so, but he's so sweet. He's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. him. Yeah. He, <laughs> well, what what I wanted to know in the pouring rain today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been terrible. No, today. you oh, did not. Oh yeah, I, I have to. <laughs> I got soaked like three times already, and I'll be going back out shortly. But anyway, you go ahead. What do you, you know, about? Rick? I know. I, I really never thought of that. I really never thought of that because I have two birds, and and they're named Bonnie and Clyde, so they're just two budgies, eh? Yeah. And so I don't have to walk them or anything. <laughs> Budgies are awesome too. They have great personalities, and uh, so and they, they come out once. Yeah, they're beautiful. The one Bonnie comes out on my shoulder, mm -hmm. and she's allowed for a little bit because you know I don't want poop. But he, Clyde, oh no, he'll never come out. He's a chicken. Mm. <laughs> Even though he's a budgie, but so my question was: yep. How do you think we can get Trudeau out? Like, what's our best? How do we do it? I I just think the next election is going to come along, and and he's going to be gone. I mean. He could linger as as the opposition leader. I don't think he'll be reelected. 
I think his days are numbered. I think if he loses, there will be pressure for him to to step down. But he's still young, right? So he could come back. Right, but when is our next election? How do we go about getting that sooner? Um, well, you know, they have to have it early 2025 i think is i don't know the exact date but it has to happen by then so if anybody's telling you that he now he might be prime minister forever that's not true at all so good that's good. Not true. thank so, god now so it, it i think that it will happen sometime this year he won't wait until the very end um right you know some people are saying spring i think fall but oh, probably this year? Sometime, probably sometime this year you'll have an election called. And oh uh, yeah. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. It has to happen sometime early in 2025 is the deadline for him. He can't just oh, okay, good. forever. So it's coming. And then we just work to hold the politicians accountable, focus on the issues, and uh You know what, Rick? We're gonna yeah. get through this then. We're gonna get through it. I mean, a lot of us are struggling, and you wouldn't know it, but I see everything around here. I mean, I have a cleaning company, and it's just half my taxes are going to the government, and then the people around me, they're senior citizens, they can't even eat. I'm giving them food. Yeah. The food bank's running out. It's absolutely horrendous. It is. I just don't know, but I appreciate you ha letting me call in. My and I hope so that happy that you did. I'm really hoping that we can get beyond this. It's just I'm a dual citizen, so I go to Michigan. Mm -hmm. And this is prob this is probably off subject. I'm so sorry about that, but I go down there and I see my sons and my grandchildren and I go down there for a week. There's not one mask. None. And I said, How come there's no masks in this and they said, Oh, the Canadians wear masks, but we don't. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I mean? Like there's a whole different ideology. Yeah, totally reminds And then me I that said, thing. so then I said, and we all talked about the taboo subject about um, going and getting, a, let's call it a, a sucker. Mm -hmm. No, nobody got the sucker. No. Nobody wanted the Kool-Aid injection? No, 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 none of them. Yeah. And my son, I'm so grateful that my son and my daughter-in-law and my other son and my grandkids, no, not allowed. And actually they were saying, and people, the whole community were telling everybody else, if you get it, don't come here. Yeah, so it was a different kind of mindset than we have here, where the mindset was, Yes, you have to, or you're not coming here. Yeah. So you understand the difference of coming there from here. So, and this was only over this, this Christmas. I go over there, I go in the store, there's 
nobody with masks. There's nobody. It's really strange. And everybody, even in Michigan, everybody I know, and I know a lot of people and I go down there and there was a huge party because I went down there, you know, and everybody hasn't seen me for, you know, 20 years, really. They love Trump and they want Trudeau out and to take over Canada. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's wild. Yeah. They're like, we should have Canada too because Canada loves Trump. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to say, but I agree. But is Trump another, you know, Was something we had our hearts set on that would save us? Or is Trump another one of the fake things that you would set your heart on that would save us? Well, I don't think any you know? one politician is going to save us. I think that it has to be a, a public opinion thing more than anything else. Politicians are reactive. They respond to the public. People think that our vote doesn't count. People think that what we think and what we want doesn't matter, but it's not true. They spent, look at how much time and money and effort they put into, you know, molding public opinion. It matters immensely. So if we focus on truth and focus on winning hearts and minds, that is what will bring about ultimate change because the politicians will eventually respond to public opinion. The problem is you have too many people they, who just comply and go along and accept what they're told and believe it. Oh my gosh, Rick, this has been the best conversation ever and i want to wish you a merry christmas happy new year and all that yeah, i mean it really has it's made me feel better to hear your rendition of it because otherwise you hear garbage well there are a lot of good people fighting out there for uh, a better country and a better tomorrow and we owe it to our kids to do that right so that's what we're all doing here all in our own way contributing and we'll get there we'll we get do, it back. And Thank God for Rick Walker. Oh, well, thank God for you. Thank you for calling in tonight. And uh, <laughs> and say hello to your budgies for me. I love budgies. I love Bonnie Clark. Say hi to Rick. <laughs> I can hear him in the background. Thanks, Rick. All right, you have a great night. They thank are you. so sweet. I love them. Thank you. All right, take care. Okay, who's up next? Who do we have now? You know who you have now, mister. I do, Mr. Mouth of the South. How are you tonight, Leo? I'm the guy with no plan, as usual, and the master of all your disasters. <laughs> the only way Trudeau's coming back is if he's uh, transgender, blackface, uh, whatever. Okay, he's done. It's just a matter of time. He's riding it out, getting the free vacations because he's a scumbag. As for David yeah. Menzies, mm -hmm. you, you, look, think? you look at that video, 
Well, I'll tell you, if the cameras weren't rolling and I was in the back alley somewhere, David Menzies was getting knuckled out, period. Mm. That cop should be tested for drugs, okay? Roid rage, for starters, and steroids are illegal, but three-quarters of these police police are on it, okay? And you look at this guy, just look at that video. The look on his face, you can just see it like, you know, what a scumbag. How old is David Menzies? 70 years old? Oh, man, he's like me, ancient. <laughs> Don't well, tell him I said that. Rick, you're not that, you're, you're not that <laughs> ancient, but I'll tell you, but look at Menzies. Okay, that cop's my age, maybe at the most 50. I'm 53, so I'd say he's my age, and he wants to pull the heavy like he did on an old man like that. That's just fucking disgusting. Yeah, stupid. And, and we wonder why we don't have any trust in our police forces. I'm not yep. saying there's, you know, in every big pile of shit, you're going to have a peanut or a piece of corn. I get it. Okay. But there's a lot of pieces of corn and a lot of peanuts in, in the big pile of shit. Now I don't trust them. I never will. Bad move. Jason Blair, Jason Blair, the, the chief of Windsor police. I grew up with him. His dad was my fucking plant biology teacher. Okay. We used to hang out. We used to screw the same girls, fucking party like fucking rock stars. He's a, ch he's a chief of police of Windsor, and I'm not. Okay? And I don't fucking trust him. Sean McCartney, the head of the police union down here. Another one. Okay? Partied with him. I don't trust him. And I never will. Okay. Well, just for the record, that's an opinion. These allegations have not been proven in court. Please don't arrest me or Leo. Oh, or no, you can. You, they could look into it. No, no, I'm, I'm not lying, Rick. I wouldn't. I wouldn't throw those names around. I believe. Yeah, I wouldn't throw those names around if I wasn't fucking serious. Okay, okay. believe me. Yeah. And I don't trust them. Okay, period. And I, I believe me. And now he's the chief of police, right? Okay, he's the one who broke up the bridge, relay, and the whole nine yards, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Okay, for for what's going on in the world today, boy, I'll tell you. You know, all I know is if Trump's inheriting something, just like uh, uh, Pierre Polyev, the U.S. debt's at thirty-four trillion and counting, folks, and it's a one million dollars a minute in fucking interest. Look it up on your screen. It's running. It's ticking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Watch how fast those numbers move, Rick. I'm like, wow. Wow, wow, wow. I'm talking a million, probably a million every 30 seconds. Yeah. It's, um, we're, we're at a record level of debt and we can't afford it. We'll, I don't know that we'll ever be, we'll never pay it back. Never be able to pay it. And once, People figure that out in other countries where we owe money. We've got a big problem on our hands. And I think maybe that's kind of why we're seeing so much unrest in the world right now. That's part of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's sickening, right? So the next governments that come in are going to inherit this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to be we're going to be stuck with it some way, somehow. We've got to pay it off. We've got to beg, borrow, cheat, beat. Deal, do whatever we got to do, right? And it's going to come to that. When you look at, I got liberalized last night, almost, okay, almost till about four in the morning. I watched YouTube, or uh, pardon me, I watched Netflix, and the uh, show was called "You Are What You Eat." Okay, and they took uh, 
Stanford University did an experiment on uh, identical twins. They used identical twins, and they made one a vegan and the other one meat eater. Okay, and this went on for six weeks, and they did the blood stool samples just to show people, okay, uh, what happens to your body with no meat, this and that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And when I woke up this morning. I almost became a vegan. Almost. <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> but they're, they're showing up. If you want, I was going to text you at four in the morning and tell you, start watching this, okay, and take it in. Mayor Adams from New York City. No, I do believe you are what you fucking eat, period. Okay, that's yeah. no okay. no rocket science behind it. No rocket science behind it. You know, uh, eat your vegetables, eat your fruits, okay? Uh, I still believe a do- an apple a day keeps a doctor away. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But uh, this processed vegan food, okay, that they're making uh, cheese and everything, man, it's the burgers, uh, you know, the chickens, everything else, right? Uh, apparently, this bacon that they're cooking tastes just like bacon. I don't know. I haven't tried it. I, don't, I can care less. I like my bacon, right? Uh but they did show at the end that the longevity of life in the vegan was a lot longer than the person that eats the meat. Is that right? So the vegan right, lives that, longer than the meat eater. The, yeah. So if you, you watch it, it's a good study actually, because as soon as they, they, they put the identical twins, right? The same DNA, the whole nine yards. And we're looking, I was watching it going, okay, this is interesting. And I, I just started getting into it. It's about six episodes, right? Uh, I watch it. It made a lot of sense, and a lot of things you were talking about too about the, the cows. Mm-hmm. Okay, now there's over a billion cows in the world. One point three billion cows in the world. That's a lot of cows. Okay, the pigs, the chickens. You know, and they, they, if you watch it, you'll you'll be intrigued at the end. Uh, the the guy was uh, uh, farming the chickens. And he even says he wouldn't eat any chickens off his farm or that company he was working for, right? The chickens were pecking each other's assholes and getting diseases. And they were uh, filling them with antibodies, okay? Throwing it on the supermarket list, okay? And uh, believe it or not, our meat sources contain E. coli. Mm. 25% of the meat sources contain E. coli at the supermarket. So if you're a a free-range bird is only a, a... two feet by three feet, they get that much running room, they call them free range. But they still put the uh, antibodies in them and everything else, all the antibiotics, right? Yeah. And that's what we're eating. Yeah. And they don't tell you that when you buy it, where your food's coming from, right? That's a key thing. I'd like to know where my food's coming from. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So it was, it, was a, it was a good watch. There was a lot of things on there you were talking about, especially about the cattle. Okay, and the government, uh, the CO2 and everything else. Because yeah. it's not just the CO2 that comes out of their ass, the methane gas, they burp it too, right? Mm-hmm. So, and it made sense. They're chopping down the rainforest uh, in, in the Amazon to uh, create uh, uh, areas for grazing, right? And uh, at a rate where, fuck, who knows, it may never grow back again, right? And then you got the pits with the, uh, the pig farmers down in uh, South Carolina or North Carolina. Just brutal, 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 and that's our that's our food source. So, you know, I'm going to grow my own vegetables. So I'm not going vegan, but I am going to eat a lot more vegetables after watching that show. But they're going to come out of my garden. 
because you can't even trust the vegetables where they're coming from now. Yeah, they spray all um, kinds of stuff on them. Well, that and plus, what do we what do we have? Melons last week that killed twenty people. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, that's that's true. Yeah, right. So you know, yeah, always lettuce. There's E. coli and lettuce, everything else. So throw your own shit. David Doyle, he's on here. There's a lot of people in your group, in the Maverick group, that that grow their own shit, Rick. And I mm-hmm. appreciate it, and I see it, and we we give off tips right on Facebook, and uh, you know, I know it's going to go good in my garden this year because. My first time gardening was last year, and I seen what went well and what didn't go well. So I'm going to go with what's well and what's simple, right? And what's simple and uh, keep it simple. Yeah, that's good. You, you it's know like what? My phone call. Oh, yeah. you, you want to okay. get? Let's unsimplify it for a moment. I'm going to. You know what? It just really creeps me out. Is did you know me? It, yeah. Well, ever. <laughs> uh, uh, there, there's this there's there's this trend out there speaking of you are what you eat and folks if you you're squeamish you might not want to listen to what i'm about to tell you and maybe you're aware maybe you're not but leo did you know that there's yep. a trend out there for for women who have given birth to eat their own placentas oh that's been going on for a thousand years it keeps me out, man. So it's yeah, a growing yeah, trend, been, and the, well, these celebrities are 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 like promoting it, right? And it's like, but if you do that, it it can lead to complications, problems. And there's a company. There are companies that will dehydrate it and turn it into capsules yeah. and things for people. They'll make you a placenta placenta pie. Send oh it to you. God, like oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> You 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 know, dog's been doing it. Well, dog gives birth, and you're not right there. That dog will eat the placenta. Well, uh, yeah, but we're, I'm not a dog, and humans aren't dogs. I did you see? And they, they think it, it gives you energy. It's a oh my god! They they, they think it gives you more energy and uh, uh, whatever uh, superpowers if you eat the placenta, right? So. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that one either. Uh, you know, times are rough. Times are rough. Times are hard when you got to feed your wife the placenta after giving birth. <laughs> oh, God. But that's what we're going to. Okay, that's what we're going to here in Canada. I, that's what people <laughs> want to do, man. Like, whatever. I'm all about freedom. If you want, well, you feel free. But um, yeah, I advise against it myself. And I've, I've, well, done she has twins. You can and, feed the whole family that day. Oh. If you have twins, you could feed the whole family that day. Did you ever watch the show Kenny versus Spenny? (laughs) I've caught it a couple times, yeah. So there was one episode where he was going to be the, the, like, he was going to be a real cannibal. So he ordered a placenta online and had it delivered. And then he fried it and, and ate it. And then he said that he was a cannibal. True story. Wow. It was on TV, man. I've been, I've been, I've been to a uh, pig roast and they cooked the whole pig and I've eaten the fucking pig nuts for money because <laughs> I'm that type of guy. I'll do anything for a fuck. <laughs> I've heard of people, you <laughs> some know, some guy eat. said, what? <laughs> some guy asked me, he says, what does it taste like? I said, sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you want to, I'm good. Give my hundred bucks. <laughs> oh, man. It was cooked. It was cooked. 
Well, you, you, you look at China, okay? Look what they eat over there. You look at anywhere in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. I got a friend who's Vietnamese. He says, I said, well, what was it like eating over there? He said, we eat everything. Everything, Leo, everything. I said, what do you mean everything? So we go in the gardens. We go into the uh, the jungles. We'll kill a tiger. We eat a tiger. Mm-hmm. They drink that tiger blood or whatever, right? Snakes, you name it. They go into the, the Mekong Delta, fucking snakes 40 feet long, right? Uh, prehistoric snakes. They kill them. They eat them. The fish. I'm like, wow. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, very young, I would be like 13, 14. I worked at a Chinese food restaurant and uh, it was like a fancy, fine dining kind of a Chinese food restaurant. Uh, back in the kitchen, all everybody worked there was Chinese except me. <laughs> so you go back there. I was a bus boy, right? With a couple of other young guys. We weren't Chinese. Everybody else was Chinese. And I'll tell you, the, the food that those guys ate was not the Chinese food that they served up front. They were eating all kinds of weird stuff. A lot of it I never really knew what it was. But they all kinds of different cultures. I don't mind the rice, the noodles. Mm-hmm. I don't mind the rice, the noodles. Uh, but when I got to guess what that meat is, I'm not touching it. <laughs> when, yeah. when it looks like medical waste, it looks like medical waste, I don't want it. Yeah. Right? In and that's our food chain for us, right? Everybody, uh, what you think you're buying in the supermarket's not what you think, okay? And you're spending your hard-earned money on it. And uh, it was funny. I told my wife I'm going vegan. She goes, you know how much money that's going to cost? You think our grocery bill's high now? Mm-hmm. I told her, make, 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 make your own tofu. Learn how to do it. She started laughing. <laughs> I'll grow my own soybeans in the backyard. Yeah. Right? But you are what you are, what you eat. I do believe that, right? Uh, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to give up steak or chicken. That's not going to happen. But I'd like to know where it's coming from. I hear you. Right? I hear you. So <laughs> all you guys out there here on uh, Maverick, I got a nice little uh, one-on-one yard stream with Dean Ryan at 10 o'clock. He wants to talk to me about something. I think uh, his ratings went through the fucking uh, bottomed out. I guess he said something on his show about he uh, he can't stand Canadians or something. That's what D was saying, right? So oh. he must have been joking because he had a Canadian guest on his show the next day. So just by saying that and uh, whatever, right? I'm going to clear up some things for everybody on Maverick that watches Dean at 10 o'clock p.m. on Wednesdays, right? So I think that's why he wants to talk to me. Because okay. he thinks he was getting trolled. Because, you know, 100, 100 people would slide over from your show over to his show, from uh, Shadow show over to his show, right? So, mm-hmm. and his ratings went up. And then all of a sudden, Susie made that comment. The ratings went hmm. in the toilet. Right? So, well, that's what I'm going to do tonight. Okay. Well, always a pleasure, knows, Rick. Now everybody knows where you'll be at, in an hour, over at 10 o'clock. In an hour. Yeah. Yeah, yes, sir. Okay, sir. Okay. Have a good day. Thanks. Yeah. Bye-bye. And go ahead. You're on the air. Hello. 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 It's Dom Palm. Hello. Welcome back. How are you this evening? Well, I I knew Leo ate balls, but I didn't think he ate those kind of balls. Well, at least he didn't. He doesn't. At least he doesn't suck them. He eats them because he's a real man. 
He might as well eat an eyeball or something. <laughs> anyway, I just I just wanted to say he also you should look at your your chat this evening. It's quite funny. We were talking about barcodes, barcodes, B A R codes. Yes. And he wanted he wanted he thought he was going to put one on his you know what and. Uh, so I I said, what's the price? Because he, he's quite funny, but you should go back and look at your chat tonight. It's quite quite <laughs> cute. But anyways, the reason why I'm two reasons I couldn't believe what happened to Ezra. That was absolutely that officer. He blocked the view, so it would be his word against Ezra. Ezra saying you that you mean David. He pushed, you mean David Menzies. Oh, well, I got them mixed up. Okay, yeah. I got them mixed up. That's okay. And um, and because uh, I've only seen the show a few times, but that that officer, his his eyes looked like they had were so raging. Mm. He, he, you just none of the other officers had that look in their eyes. That 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 guy needs to have counseling, I think. Mm. Mm. He, you know, because that was a. Uh, that he needs an anger management course. He really does because you don't usually see that kind of rage in an officer's eyes when they're arresting someone. No, there was no need for what went on there. There was no need for that. I thought he was going to be foaming at the. I thought he was going to be foaming at the mouth soon. You know, I mean, he was acting like those. You know, those brown shirts in Nazi Germany. If you ever watch mm. documentaries on what. They were like, yeah, unbelievable. And then the other thing I wanted to ask about those two fellows that you had on with the business thing. Well, yeah. I had a line of products and I went to sell, tried to sell them on Amazon. They were skincare products for spas and then a retail line for everybody else. And so when I called to set up my account, I was on the phone with them for about half an hour. And then then they, I had to send all this paperwork in. And then they called me back and they wanted a pass, my passport number. And I said, this is a corporation. I'm not going to give you a passport number. And, and that's what they wanted. And they also wanted, and I, and this is in in the United States. Why would I give a United States company my passport number? I don't know. They do ask for some pretty personal stuff uh, sometimes. Some of these companies for identification, it seems somewhat uh, inappropriate and over the top, often. I have I have a business number or had one. All they had to do was look that up. I had the GSP numbers and all those sorts of things because I was selling wholesale, so I had yeah. to have a BSP number. And and um, but I wanted to sell retail too, you know. So I had to. I was about to get all that stuff that I needed to do. That you have to get different numbers. But um, but anyways, and then they also wanted barcodes. Now, if these fellows want to be successful, they should let products be sold that don't have barcodes. You can, there is a way that they can do that and, and monitor it through a proper accounting system. But uh, um, 
you know, if they accept things by case lots, they don't need to have barcodes on them. There's a lot of home businesses that that make uh, soaps and things like that, and they don't they don't like this barcode thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you don't. I mean, if you go into a lot of little stores, you you know that you they don't have a lot of barcodes on their products. All these little stores, some of them that sell toiletries and candles and um, you know things like that. And so, is it, I hope they don't. If they're listening, I hope they don't demand barcodes. So that's that's what I wanted to say. Well, I don't but, think that uh, they're managing I, the products for people anyways. I don't think that on their end, barcodes are going to be a prerequisite for listing a business or having you list your product on the, on the site through your website. I think that would be up to the individual business owner, but that's just my take on it. Um, and they, I think they're pretty sharp guys. I'm sure they'll figure it out. Yeah. And I hope that they, they take, I don't have a credit card because my credit rating went kaput in the beginning of COVID because I lost my, you know, all my customers when everything got shut down. And, uh, so I can only do email transfers. So maybe I hope they'll accept that. Yeah. To, yeah. to get going they, again. Yeah, but, they did, you know, they did. They I, certainly did indicate that they would accept e-transfers so that's a big part of the way they're going to be conducting business over there from what i understand but again you know it's the, the transactions yeah. will be to be between the 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 uh, the individual businesses that are listed and the customers and then a percentage goes i guess to the to the platform to cover their costs and uh now, now do they help you out with a good website deal do they handle websites I think that that the idea is that you sort of get a page um, and an integrated website within their website so that you have, um, yeah, so that it's like your own business within their platform, if I'm understanding correctly. Oh, but then, oh, but, but then they set up the shopping cart, do they? Well, I think it's set up so that you like, can do it yourself, so but I'm not sure you have to, you'll have to go over to their their site and check it out and navigate your way through, but they're saying you can do it in pretty short order. So yeah, I would just, uh, Boo, interested. you know where to go. I mean, it's not my business. I'm not, I, I, I'm not in partnership with them. I don't have any advertising with them. I don't get anything from them. I just thought it was a, uh, a cool thing they're doing and it's freedom oriented. It's an alternative to these big box corporate, entities and it's an opportunity for small and medium-sized businesses to kind of um reestablish themselves in a in a good way i think uh, that gives people access to the digital universe so we can carry on and continue to have access to the system oh i think so too i think it's an excellent i'm so pleased that you had them on i missed the first part of the show so i'll go back and watch that and then i'll and then I'll give them a call. Sure. Now, um, so, 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 um, what else is new? Happy New Year to you again. I think I said that before, but uh, what? Oh, this C, this CBDC thing. Oh, I don't like that. I hope that doesn't come in. 
Well, it, 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 it's eventually going to come in. I just hope that they don't completely get rid of paper money. They can they could have both, but yeah, that I think is uh, inevitable in a digital age. They're pushing for it. I think it's going to happen one way or another. We just have to find ways to cope and protect our privacy and insist on privacy legislation and, uh, you know, just roll with the punches as we move into so, so, this new digital age. So that means that, that means they'll get rid of all cash? Don't know. I hope not. I hope not. I think they'd like to. It's expensive for them. They can't track it. It's, uh, I think for them, it's cash is a way for people to conduct transactions without being subjected to taxation. That's why they want cash gone and they want everything digital because they'll be able to tax every single transaction made from the moment it's made to the moment it's last spent. And uh, they As can if they don't do, get enough. Yeah. As if they don't get enough tax already. I mean, it's just, uh, I wonder what the tax deadline date is by the time the, you know, it used to be, I remember when I was young, they'd say, oh, well, you up until February, the first two months you paid, were all to tax in your wages. And then they went up to, and then it went up to finally June. And I don't know what is that now, they, all the money you pay out on tax. Yeah. Well, you know, the great thing about cash is you can go to a yard sale and buy something, and that's just between you and the person you're making the deal with. You can make, and I think that ultimately when it comes to buying and selling things, it should be like that. I don't see, I don't agree with the, all of the taxes that people pay at every level. Government taxes everything all the way down the line. We're paying tax on tax on tax on tax. It is ridiculous. Uh, people, you know, when you sit and think about it, I think overall, we probably spend more than 50, 60 percent, probably maybe more that goes back to the government in taxation in some way from income tax to sales. And, you and spend it when you make it, spend it when you when when you when you spend it, <laughs> spend it if you hold it or they tax you they, like I'm just saying that they tax, tax, tax. Tax you when you make it on your income tax. Tax you when you spend it on your sales tax. Tax you on your tax. Tax, tax this. You buy that, that's a tax. You. Uh, well, I, I I think they really want us gone off the face of this earth because, I mean, oh, here's something. I'd love to have you on, have some this type of person on your show. I would love to have you have someone who is two types of people. One is somebody who does insolvencies. I was just talking to a friend of mine today and he was having so many problems and he went to a someone who filed a personal insolvency for him and it eliminated his credit card debt. And then the other then I another thing I was looking into personally because I still want that credit. I was looking into um this other thing and and they you phone someone and then they uh, they were a credit bureau and they will get your interest rates lowered for you so that's what i'm going to be looking into but this other fellow he told me that he went to uh, an accountant and they had someone within the accounting department 
and he filed for insolvency. And he's not bankruptcy. It was because he didn't have a business. It's called personal insolvency. And they just got rid of all of his debt. Presto, it was gone. He couldn't get credit for five years, but so what? Yeah, it, it can be tough to live when you go through a, a process like that. It's um, you, you live with some well, restrictions for, for quite he, a while, he, but yeah. If people own their own houses, they don't need to get credit. They already have their houses. They don't need to go apply to apply for loans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. They've got their car. They've got their home. Yeah. So anyway. So I would yeah. love it if you could get if you could consider that. And the other thing, Sir Richard, is I did phone a fellow in Maui and he he had numerous videos videos out when the fires started and they went on for about 6 weeks constantly live streaming across my television and so i called him back then and i told him about you and i said well why don't you you know here this is call maverick news if you want to get this news out in canada because it, you know he was saying we've got to keep on this so that we get the news out so I called him last night, and he's a realtor in, in Lahina, or all over Hawaii, but mm -hmm. he specializes in Lahina. And uh, so I went to look his number up and looked at his website last night, and he has pictures on there now, and they're starting to sell properties that the, all the houses have been removed, and now they're selling properties, all those acres, for like $1.5 million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 uh and, and and then if you go on the outskirts the few homes that survived are you know, little ones are three hundred thousand. But the, you know, it's all been cleared and then and then I left the message but so he hasn't called me back yet. But I can't find anything on the missing children. They say that there were school buses and the school buses were sitting there empty. And that's why I guess Celtic Love is wondering what happened to the children. Well, other people saying that people are missing and, and they were incinerated. But I can't see anything on missing people either. It's a mystery. <clears throat> it is. So and, and because here we are. I think we're in the day, day four where, where, we, where I've said to people, let's go find a relative, a mother, a father, an aunt, an uncle. We we continue to hear these people say that we have at least a thousand or more missing children in Lahaina. And I know in my town, if we had a thousand missing children, there would be pictures up um, on lampposts and news conferences and parents up in arms and <clears throat> protests and people and, you know, clamoring for media attention and and pressure on the authorities to go and find the missing kids. And yet I can't find a trace of any of this. And so I still throw the challenge out there to everyone <clears throat> go find a relative or some relatives of, <clears throat> excuse me, some of these missing kids and we'll put them on here and we'll draw attention to this and let's go find the missing kids or draw attention to them and get their pictures up there. Who are these missing kids? But you haven't been able to find anybody, I guess. 
Yeah, and all the all and, and and I was an investigative reporter for a newspaper, and I have those skills, and I I like you, and I could not find a thing. So if Celtic Love is listening, I I think we may have had a, the wool pull over our, our eyes, and maybe those people, most of them, were taken out of there before that happened. I think something else is going on in that area, and it could have been just for you know, and then there's China, I know they want a lot of the Pacific Islands. They've been, you know, on their Belt and Road project. So we just don't know what's going on. Well, it seems to me, Pam, that if you have a thousand missing kids, if we had, if there were two missing kids, if there was one missing kid in my town, everybody would know about it. And uh, if there were a thousand... I don't think it would be too difficult to find at least one aunt, uncle, mother, father, brother, sister, niece, nephew, somebody. I don't know. Any relative, right? Of a missing child. So where are the, not the child, the children, where are the families? Find me a family member um, that we can, you know, verify as being authentic and uh, having a connection to a missing child in Lahaina. Let's get them on the show. Oh, I know. I've left a message with that fellow, but, you know, he's too busy selling real estate now, so... <laughs> Interesting. I don't know um, yes, this is, is the guy with the Hawaii real estate channel, right, who had, like, a gazillion views on his channel as he was talking about all the space lasers and the missing children and the horrors of the fire yeah. and all of the terrible things his, that happened, his, right? His, his name is Eric West. West. Eric, Eric West. West. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, uh, get Eric on the show. Yeah. If you have a connection to him, I'd love to have him on. Well, I've got his number. I can I can give it to you uh, tomorrow. Send it along, yeah. I'll call him. Okay, I will do 100%. that. I'll call you because I, I have to... Uh, well, next time I call, I'll call just for that short purpose, then, and I'll give it to you. Okay. And um, because, uh, because, uh, anyways, it's Celtic. If you're listening, don't believe half the stuff you hear. You know, this there is a, we're we're in a war right now. I know one's declaring it officially, but we are, and it is an information war. It's a fifth generation war where it's different from previous wars where we see tanks rolling in and gunfire and all that sort of thing. This is a, a different type of war. And more people have to learn what fifth, fifth generation warfare is really about so that they can do a better job of surviving through it. And, uh, be careful with, with, you know, what you let into your brain and take it seriously because if you get so upset about things and there's, then it can affect your health. I mean, it was all, she was crying and it hurt me so much to hear her crying. But, yeah. you know, we not, we're going through tough times and it could get tougher this year for a little while and we've got to hang in there and, and be strong and be tough and have, Strong inner character to get through this and don't let these people take your energy away from you and cause all that type of fear. Right. Because fear fear won't save you. You have to you have to get more, you know, balanced and 
pray and do what you need to do, but and read the Bible or whatever you need to do, but get stronger in, in your characters to be able to stand up and have the fortitude to say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to take this like the song says. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Pam. It's time to wrap up. I appreciate the call very much and wise words. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Sir Richard. Always a pleasure speaking with you. You send me that guy's phone number. I'm going to give him a call. Okay. Nighty night. And it's great to be with oh, all no. of you. Yeah. Richard, I'll put it in the chat right now. No, just send it to me privately, please. Don't, oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank care. you. Bye-bye. Bye. That's fantastic. Thank you very much, Pam. And close that off. That was a good call. I think that was the best call ever from Pam. Damn Pam. Maverick Knight. Or Maverick Dom. Folks, it's been an absolute privilege and a pleasure being here with all of you tonight. And uh, that call with Pam just further illustrates the need for what we do here night after night, which is to seek truth, real truth. So we're not walking around with two eyes closed, not walking around with one eye open, but with both eyes open. And tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'll be back in this chair, on this channel, here at Maverick News, with you, with information that will defrag your mind and hopefully get us all a little bit closer to that elusive truth. Love you all. Catch you on the flip side. This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.